I mean, it's basically, it's a similar story. Like my wife and I, when we were in Europe, we booked a day trip, an excursion in another city. So we had to take a train there, but the train broke down on the way there. And we were supposed to get there with plenty of time to go do this tour excursion that we were going to do. But the train delayed us four hours. And so when it became clear that we were not going to make it, I called this tour company and was like, hey, I know you say you have a cancellation policy that you you know you're not going to refund within 24 hours but there's nothing we can do about this like surely there's something you can do and they were like no (laughs) (laughs) they they do not play around like really like this is not our fault at all like we can't make a later one because we have other plans you know like while we're here we're you know we booked all day doing stuff they're just like no we're not going to do that like, I don't know what you want me to do. It's not our fault. Sorry that your train broke down. Oh, you're just yeah. like, there has been murder murders? on the train. The detective has stopped the train. Yeah, he must solve it. We have to the wait for Inspector Branagh. And I was so mad because this was the one thing on the trip that I really wanted to do more than anything else. Who broke uh, the train in Europe? Because <laughs> it turns into a fucking mystery. He's saying all this, but he has a MAGA hat on. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, they just don't like Americans for some reason. They have no idea why. Je- Jesse walked off the train wearing his 10 gallon hat Jesus Christ we really can't get this train moving everyone's like yeah I don't know why I didn't like him I basically just resorted to the entire trip on the train just making laugh and I'm like I don't know why we would even do the excursion I mean this this is great they bring you dried pineapple you got got orange juice I look at this view man that's really good that's really good what do you call that character Stan He picked it up on his journeys to Connecticut. Cool. Yeah, cool, Jesse. What are you talking yeah. about? This is not a character. Look, what are your eyes doing? You, I feel like you're they're doing not extra a character. This is really me. The Jesse you know has been the character all along. <laughs> do your, do your, <laughs> you want to get nuts? You get nuts? You might not can't fuck it anymore. <laughs> I don't know why I like it so much. <laughs> it's like, look, the train story is better than what I had. Cause I all right, was... 10th episode. We got a real special guest with us today. You want to introduce yourself? Oh, it's Cool Jesse. I am from the of America's dad. You're a real shit. The 90s podcast roulette uh, that we're doing today, which a handful of people don't remember that decade, but that's okay because that's why we're here to remind you of songs and dance and uh, whimsical anecdotes and whatnot, what was great about it and what was terrible. So everybody take a sip of your drink and we get started. <laughs> oh, yeah. This, this is really good. I can't believe we got ushered in by cool Jesse. Oh, yeah. All I had was... Um, this drink tastes uh, funny. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're all right, man. Wake up. How about a show called Busted? You know, but instead of it being a cop show, it's just about... Um, people who've never been hard before <laughs> but but they're able to bust and it stars us <laughs> it's, it's, all a, it's, a, it's a show called busted but the the dramatic part of every episode is when they pull up your shirt and they're like why's your tummy wet <laughs> i busted you told me that you couldn't get hard that's not the point i can't they never stop me before four dudes that can't get hard traveling across the country another dude that can't get hard. <laughs> They're all sitting around in the living room and everyone's like shaking, trembling, reading a piece of paper. I thought when you told me you couldn't get hard that I would never see you bust. But the stickiness on my t-shirts tells me otherwise. <laughs> <laughs>
Chambers never been hard. <laughs> Come see the Blue Balls Comedy Tour. Uh, his dick is soft, but it comes very far. Cambus, Cambus. <laughs> yeah, dude. All right, yeah. Dude, I like busted a lot. Yeah, busted's a good idea. We'll just cobble. We'll cobble your European train story and bust together, and there's a cold open. There is. Hey, fuck. Welcome fuck, to nineties roulette. Yeah, fuck, fuck the podcast. Let's go make busted. <laughs> I just did, brother. Yeah. <laughs> oh shit! Look at his t-shirt. It's oh, Welcome to the tenth episode of nineties roulette. The dealer's choice, 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 choice. There we go. There's our cold open. Busted edition. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is just getting worse and worse, we isn't it? We have a movie and a show, but I think we're just going to do Busted. Right. <laughs> yeah, no. We're going to reenact the first episode of Busted. <laughs> <laughs> it's just four dudes sitting around like, yeah, y'all aren't hard either, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I don't believe you. Show me. <laughs> I don't believe you. Why are my socks wet? <laughs> I've been through three pairs of t-shirts today. <laughs> Why is your carpet so stiff? You subscribe to Busted, you get a free pack of four Hanes t-shirts. <laughs> V-neck. Used. <laughs> All stiff. Very. They, they come pre-starched. <laughs> Wrinkle free. <laughs> That's a top dollar shit. You start pulling them out of the pack. Like, God damn, these things are breaking apart. I just start throwing my hands inside the shoe box. <laughs> Look, I can make it sleeveless. <laughs> well, technically, every shirt's already a sleeveless t-shirt. That just hasn't happened yet. So, and there I get it. That's right. Just like George. <laughs> You look, you look for the shirt. And you're like, I got my pack of shirts. Where's the rest of the outfit? That's it. That's the wardrobe for the show. It's just dirty stain. Hey, babe, have you seen my shirt? He goes, yeah, it's stuck to your stomach. <laughs> oh my god! Oh, damn it! If a snake, it would have bit me. It's like the poster for the show. It's just four dudes in dirty Hanes shirts and nothing else. <laughs> we should make that the '90s roulette calendar, oh. <laughs> the sexy edition. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing but Hanes shirts and socks. <laughs> Welcome to 90s Roulette, the podcast where we spin the wheel to see what media we cover from the only decade worth talking about. Do these things still glitter as gold through rose-tinted glasses, or... Uh, uh, I'm Michael, and with me is... Jesse. I'm Dalton. I'm Garrett. And, and I'm Bill we... Cosby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh, wow. Well, Bill Cosby made it to the super special episode number 10, Garrett. What do we got today? And it's the 90s, so it's okay. It's good, Bill Cosby. <laughs> yeah, everyone still likes him. We're still beloved. Uh, today today is our super special 10th uh, episode extravaganza. Every last ep episode. Yeah, the last episode <laughs> ever. So get your fill, because we ain't doing this again. Uh, every 10 episodes, we do Dealer's Choice, where each one of us takes a pick of a uh, movie 
uh, music video and TV show, and then we roll out of that pot. Out of four instead of 9,000 or whatever it is, yeah. Correct. Um, so what we ended up with today for our movie is Event Horizon, directed yeah. by Paul W.S. Anderson, the other Paul Anderson. Yeah. Which is your pick, the bad right? one. That was my pick, yes. Yeah. That was Mike's pick. The uh, other, the TV show is a c- series finale of Dinosaurs, which was my selection. And, and if you don't like that show, listen to this anyways, because the last episode is fucking exceptional. It's a doozy. <laughs> it's, it is a doozy. There's something uh, to talk about, yes. for sure. Um, and for our music video is, I do anything for love, but I won't do that by meatloaf. Selected by Jesse. As you can tell, selected by Jesse. Yeah. I didn't have anything in this episode because I don't want to be here. He doesn't want to be around anymore. Was that meatloaf or fucking Phantom of the Opera you were doing? I thought it was the Event Horizon soundtrack. <laughs> what are you talking about? I was having a stroke. <laughs> All, All right. right, let's get into it, Mike. All right, change it. Oh, ringing that bell. I can't concentrate. It's over, Rock. Now that it's over, just give you something to drink. There ain't nothing on ice till I say it now. Lip and brisk ice tea. A haunted ship. I'm getting some really strange readings in here. A missing crew. This place is a tomb. DJ, where are you? And infinite evil. Shit has been beyond the boundaries of our universe. Who knows what it's brought back with it? Vacate! I want off this ship. You can't leave. She won't let you. Event Horizon. Rated R. Oh, fuck. I haven't seen the movie. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck. Fuck. So, uh, alien with supernatural stuff instead of aliens. Yeah. Yeah, I never thought about that. Yeah. That's a Different when you say it. All right. This week, we are covering Event Horizon, directed by Paul W.S. Anderson, who had made uh, Mortal Kombat in 95, made this in 97, and then went on to do a lot of Resident Evil movies and fucking Death Race and Monster Hunter. And this is a really good. This is a (laughs) this is a fluke amidst other flukes that this movie is made and made well and kind of sort of well received. It's definitely a cult status. Uh, it stars Sam Neill of Jurassic Park and uh, not to leave out In the Mouth of Madness, which is another sort of Lovecraftian cosmic horror thing. Uh, and Lawrence Fishburne prior to him doing The Matrix. But when you watch this movie, I think it totally makes sense why he gets the Morpheus role for that. I mean, he yeah. he is a leader in this movie. And like he got, uh, I mean, he kind of does a lot of those roles now. Those yeah. got those leader uh, roles. Like he, and Hannibal and, uh, you know, uh, and Matrix and uh, even the I mean, John uh, Wick movies. What, 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 what is he in this movie? Homicide or uh, one of those shows? What, what, not CSI. He's on one of those things where he, uh, Plays. Oh, one of those CSI He's shows? He's on some shit like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's one of those think, weird I, things. I think he had, probably had a short stint in that. What was his career like before this movie? Well, he was like in Apocalypse Now oh, when yeah. he was much younger. Right. Yeah. 16 yeah, but years of course, old. Yeah, that's, yeah, he's a bit role in that. Yeah, that's I mean, not... he's around in the 80s. He's in the 90s. He's a lot. Hard. He plays a lot of bad guys. He's yeah, he's a little more character well, actor I when he this younger. Movie, it, you know, his role in it aside, like he's otherwise like, okay, it's mostly just a lot of him barking commands at people. But of course he gi- he gives that one great speech. Yeah. In that one scene, that one monologue, which is like, I can see that basically being the one thing that just kind of like launched his career after I mean, that. I, I think he does a really good job as that 
like persona that they want to like you know like he's he incredible said, he, he, keeps, yeah. he keeps coming back yeah he's, i actually uh thought his performance was probably the best he and, and neil yeah yeah and yeah neil don't get me wrong i thought neil was great but i i, I feel like he's he's even better and i see why he gets tapped to yeah. do that same sort of thing uh, he just has a lot of gravitas yeah he does yeah. He, he's got he's got like an interesting um look he's got an interesting look but like his, yeah. his voice is like just really fucking solid. He's, he's just got a good like deliverance of, of like about him and like his and his demeanor. On his face. Yeah, I mean, he yeah. Carries he, it. Yeah. yeah, he's he's very expressive and he has a lot of like weight. Yeah. Behind what he's, he says. He's phenomenal. Know? And it's, it yeah. is worth talking about Jesse and what he did before because. I mean, this isn't like his fifth movie. I mean, he'd been around since the 70s. He worked with Coppola when he's 16, and he's in mm-hmm. King of New York. He's in um, Boys in the Hood, which he's phenomenal in that movie. Okay, yeah. I mean, he's 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 established. He's in deep cover with Jeff Goldblum. He's in a lot of movies leading up to this. He's got so a lot of weight. He's, in, yeah, in, he's in, in, senior yeah. status in terms of, like, filmdom mm-hmm. at this point. And uh, Neil, of course... Uh, I just think that... I think a point I was trying to make is that I could see a number of actors doing that same role sure. and doing it well. Yeah, yeah. Particularly Will Smith like or something, does, yeah. But particularly that one scene where he gives that, that famous monologue is like, that could only be him. I can't see anybody else no. delivering that the same Not way. Not as well. No. Yeah. And yeah, I had never seen this movie before this. No. And I thought it was solid. And it was really nice to like see a pretty sweet cast put together it's a great cast. but but it but it's a cast that like I'm not used to seeing you know like normally in some big like sci-fi thing maybe I would expect to see like Bruce Willis or some shit like Correct. that in like the movie especially that, in 97 right yeah. but like none of these people on this were characters that or were were actors and actresses that I expected to see um, yeah. I, I would have thought it would have been, you know, any host of the other like big blockbuster names that get thrown on there that are seemingly across like so many movies. But to see these yeah. guys, um, I, I think that works it. similarly to Alien and that in Alien, Alien in 79, these are established actors somewhat. But Ripley Sigourney Weaver is not really established enough. I mean, she, she's like Stark in this Julie Richardson, where She's not really even a main character for the first 45 minutes of the movie. Ripley's not an alien. She's not right. central. And mm-hmm. then she ends up kind of taking on the lead role as the movie progresses and people start dwindling and dying off. So this movie, it's not one actor or one character's movie at all. Mm-hmm. It's not. Yeah, it's it's sure. an ensemble. And it works sure. very similarly to Alien. And who survives in this movie? It's not a final girl thing. It's not three people make it out. Yeah. And it's not the ones you think it will at all. Yeah. You really don't expect those to be the ones that that get out. But no. So, so just to give a brief overview of the movie as a whole, basically there is a task force uh Rescue Let, for yeah yeah. Uh, yeah like a rescue squad that is going out into deep space. I think it's what is it Neptune? Neptune? Yeah, yeah. They're, they're going Neptune. to find a ship that had disappeared around Neptune that was planning to do a large jump through space and time. And this was the ship uh, that was constructed by uh, Sam Neill's character, Doctor Weir. Yeah, Doctor Weir, and it was called the Event Horizon. And the ensemble rescue squad comprised of dr weir and lawrence fishburne's character yeah miller uh, he, and he's yeah. leading it uh to go and 
recover the ship that's been lost for years but recently popped up on radar or whatever long-range communication they're using uh, for this rescue mission. They get there, the ship is seemingly abandoned, and they are trying to piece together what happened while also trying to repair their ship um, so that they have oxygen to survive yeah. and get either the event horizon back up and running or get out on their ship uh, to escape once they see that basically there's no crew left alive, but something weird is going on in the ship that is causing a lot of hallucinations at first, but it lends itself to be something a lot yeah. more horrific it's later the, the, on. It's the shining via Lovecraftian cosmic horror. Yeah. Right, it's right. very much cosmic horror. Only yeah, for, for the sure. crew to be in a, what is essentially a scramble to get out and make heads or tails of what they're seeing if it's something that they're just hallucinating because of, you know, rising CO2 levels or something in the ship, or if it has something a little more devious than that, which, of course, it does. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. It, th and this, this is essentially Hellraiser in space uh, before they released Hellraiser in space, Hellraiser Bloodline, which is 98, and that movie is so reviled that the director took his name off. And, I mean... This did Hellraiser better. This is the first, like, Cl and Clive Barker did consult on this movie. They brought Clive Barker in early on this to sort of work the things out. In fact, like, even the, the hyperdrive, the spinning ball with the uh, magnetic... That looks ancient, but for, yeah. like, but it is in, like, the most advanced piece of technology they, known to man. That thing there was originally just a smooth ball mm -hmm. that would just turn around, and they basically said, I want it to look more like the Lament configuration, the puzzle box from Hellraiser. Mm -hmm. I want it to have more of, like... Uh, kind of an organic biomechanical look to it. So I think right. Clyde Barker helped out with that a little bit and mm -hmm. said, yeah, you just add this, this, and this to it. And, and even like that room it itself. It looks dangerous. It the, looks entire, yeah. the entire, the entire room like spikes coming yeah, out right. of the walls and, and, and it shit. And it looks almost like tentacles in a way, like like suckers on a tentacle with all the, the different configurations yeah. in the wall and stuff. It looks very like like Cthulhu-y or something. Yeah. Uh, it, it looks... I, I will... I do want to like... The strongest part of this movie probably that... Um, that makes it stand out as much as it does is like the production design and the art direction. Oh, yeah. Like it's the design of the event horizon is fucking stellar. It's Especially scary. when you first see it when they're coming up on yeah. it and it just comes out from the clouds and it's like this massive thing just staring at them and like the way the front of the ship looks. It, I mean, it kind of looks like a massive dead space helmet. Yeah. yeah. A little bit. Yeah. The, the front of it and then the whole... Yeah. It's got cool little rooms like that rotating tunnel the meat of grinder. spikes. The yeah. meat grinder. Mm -hmm. It's yeah. just all visually like... I mean, it looks great. like a horrific place. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Right it, out the gate. If they were which, underwater, this scale of this thing would be almost the equivalent of like a submarine coming up to like a blue well or something of like this yeah. thing is massive like it's yeah. so so like the scale of this and knowing like what it is and it's like an experimental ship it's, it's scary uh, i think it's, i read it was meant to model a cathedral is that right it was supposed to look like yes. inside of a church or it something. was so, yeah like something from the reformation or something like that or the renaissance it's supposed to kind of resemble a gothic architecture right yeah, yeah. <laughs> i do uh I do want to come back to the scale of the ship later when we get towards the end of the movie. Okay. Um, but I just want to touch on it. Just book, bookmark that. But initially, yeah, so you were talking, they run up on the ship and it's massive, this behemoth sitting in front of them and it's just quiet. Yeah. It is like, 
no yeah. life on this ship, but they're getting readings yeah. that are sending it through the roof for like biometric scans. And they think it's like maybe either radiation or just the sensors are, are off key or something like that. Right. They don't really know. But yeah, uh, so the opening of the movie, um, we do get to meet Dr. Weir, Sam Neill, and it's established pretty early on that he is alone on this space station. Um, it's something orbiting Earth, and he is very... He's had some trauma with his wife, who he, he feels guilt over abandoning. Because he's so dedicated to his work, she killed herself. She committed suicide. And he's basically haunted by the guilt of that. And the, He's hallucinating very early on. Yes. It yeah. starts. Yeah. Very early on. And he you is don't see the isolated. suicide until later. Not until later. Right? Not, until, not, not until till later. It's sort of hinted at a little bit there. but Just that he's going through something. And, right and that PTSD and trauma and guilt and the manifestation of all that in one way or another are very important to this because the event horizon and the plot of this movie sort of preys upon that. Yeah, mm -hmm. like everyone's got... Just about everyone has. Yeah, with demons. To pray Everyone's upon. got and skeletons certain in the yeah. ones don't seem to at all, and it never really goes into that. But other, I think certain people just don't. They're young enough, or they don't really have that history, or yet. they're not interacting with the ship Correct. in the same manner. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, and we'll we'll get into that. But basically, uh, so that shot where it shows him pe peering out the window in the space station over Earth, and it circles out of that. There's a big spiraling, circling shot that's sort of disorienting. That shot cost a third of their budget oh for real Jeez. correct yeah well they did get cut down by quite a bit but they they did that shot and they had to bring in a studio because there's not a lot of space shots that are super complicated yeah. there's not and that one there is a very very uh high budget shot yeah that that's that i think never having seen the movie before that's just as with a lot of other like 90s movies and like CGI and special effects you? and stuff. A 97 space horror movie. There's not many good ones. <laughs> well, it's just, you know, that stuff doesn't age super no. well. A lot of it does Fair. look pretty yeah. bad. Now, there are some practical things in there that look solid. I think solid, like, that yeah, look really a lot good. of the miniature space does. Look, yes. Yes. Stuff yeah, looks yeah, very yeah. good. And, and, and like we were talking about with like some of the set, like room set pieces as oh, a whole yeah. look really fucking awesome. I mean, second to maybe Alien. The yeah. original yeah, Alien. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. CGI animations in this movie, though, in particular, like, ooh. There's yeah. not many kind of, of them, really. Yeah. Yeah. Here's well, the thing. You see them, they're like, very jarring they're very jarring and they try to be like really cutting edge because you have like a can or something floating in the foreground and yeah. it's like yeah. oh look at the gravity and it's like that looks real bad well but i mean that, that for for 90 what year was that's honestly yeah. not that bad if for you go back and watch like the relic which is also from 97 with tom sizemore and all that it's almost unwatchable, the CGI, because that's that period where you can make something incredible like T2 and 91 if you have the equivalent of $400,000 at the time. But if you try to say, like, we'll make a genre movie, like how much do those cost? Oh, about 30 million. I'm sorry, $400 million. If you make something for 30 million or 20 million and then you just bring in some house that's not like, you know, the big one, something that Lucas would use or something James Cameron would use, they'll do it on the budget. But it's going to look like shit by 1998. And by comparison, I mean, you go back and watch The Island of Dr. Moreau. And these are movies that had big studio backing. And Event Horizon does not really. I mean, mm -hmm. it's just paramount. Um, 
that CGI that they do have in this, it's not bad by comparison. With I mean, with everything being relative, I, I get what you're saying though. Yeah, yeah, it's just it's just a going back yeah. and watching it now type of thing. Not something that I would yeah. like dock them for. Well, like you're saying about how, like Say that, you know yeah. a lot of the set pieces and the way sci-fi looks like as it ages tends to start to look just bad, and that's just yeah. a general design. Yeah. But as a this movie in general is like, yeah, it looks really. I think it still holds up in the design. That's yeah. the one thing that's like it's incredible. Yeah, it looks pretty. Yeah, aged. that's that's the only thing that yeah. I think like it does hold it back like uh stylistically sure or or like just like graph from a graphical standpoint but that's right. it but well, yeah because you look the at, only you things look, that really yeah. like stood out there when when that with the cg uh was like when they had liquid floating in the air yeah yeah and then the, he had he had to like wipe it off of the <laughs> right. control panel and it goes up yeah. the camera yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. well I mean, it's all it's also like in that time particularly they were just starting to figure out how to do liquid simulations right. like with yeah. the abyss and shit yeah because like, that's the whole thing is the abyss is 80 Eight eighty nine, and it's like it yeah. looks incredible, kind of. And then you look at this, and it's like this is a decade later, and they still couldn't figure out how to do this expertly. You know what I mean? Because that liquid effects in the craft, like that's in yeah. 95, 96. So they're playing with that a lot. They can do it on a budget, but it still doesn't look good. I mean, yeah, it doesn't so, age well. And was but, this a time when they were trying to like do three D again or something? Because I know it's like so many of the CGI shots are stuff in the foreground. It's, it's almost like it was. It's intended. really funny that you say that because when we were watching it. That was one of the questions that we had. Like, was this intended to be like a 3D no. experience or no, something like right. that? Right. Because you see that early lot. on, it happens a lot. Yeah, yeah. yeah. you really you see, see it several like, times. No, I, it's, I it's think there. they they really just do that to like make it seem more like an abandoned place. With, sure, you know, yeah, sure, sure like it has some around. depth and, and like echoiness too. to it. Yeah, it, yeah, it makes yeah, it seem yeah, voyeuristic because yeah. there's a lot of. Um, a lot well, of Dutch angles. There's a lot of like really interesting mm-hmm. shots. Yeah. Where and it once seems they like turn the gravity back on, all that's done. I think yeah. it's just They're a matter of like, totally I, done with it. like, yeah, yeah, it adds depth to the shot or what have you. But for to look the way that it does, it's like, it seems like it would make more sense to just paint it with smaller stuff kind of scattered sure. out in the yeah. scene instead of having a giant, you know, Take up, cut, a third of the yeah, screen. take up a third of the yeah, screen. Yeah, yeah. yeah, like this. Yeah, you know, it's 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 really funny that you mentioned like the the Dutch angles and everything for this movie because that reminds me of our very first episode where we were Crimson covering Tide. Crimson Tide yeah. in the submarine. Sure, and confined thinking, spaces. Yeah, yeah, confined spaces, and I'm like damn sci-fi just makes the submarine genre so much better because you can do stuff like this with it you can do stuff like you can play with the set pieces so much more confinement with horror right lends itself to one another and then a a submarine movie it's like you just didn't have options right but with this like in the sci-fi element and like space and cosmic horror and all this like you can just play you can just have fun well you know what it is and things in a word, basically, it's with cosmic horror, especially anything can happen. Yeah. With a submarine movie, one thing's going to happen <laughs> yeah. every time. Exactly. And it's like, yeah. oh god, you're so it's so limited. So, it's like you say, you experience the set pieces too. Like the design in general, it's like with space, you can do whatever the fuck you want. The yeah. suspension of disbelief is like out there. It's like twenty forty seven. It's established. Anything can exist. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Why in a submarine not? movie, it's like, well, you got to stick to the very specific <laughs> <Yeah>. parameters. <laughs> yeah. Sweat. Yeah. And if you're and if you're working with the U.S. military, they're going to make that even tighter of a restriction. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. They've got to have approval on things. Yeah. Like that. Yeah. Um, so, uh, cast wise, also, there's another person that we didn't uh, really talk about, but I, uh, 
who he's also like really strong at Jason Isaacs. I'll, I'll tell you what. Look, so let's get just right to it because I do want to talk about this real quick. It goes from Weir's opening to Weir being on the Event Horizon, yes. where we meet the crew. They all the come crew. out cryo sleep yeah. or whatever, and they're, they're well, on they're the not, ship going. They're, to they're the on event the Lewis Horizon. and Clark, which is the rescue ship, and we meet everyone, and it's very, very similar to Alien, yeah. where you this is a very blue collar, tight yeah. family unit. But they are not. No one's like hoity-toity. Everyone's very basic. The post cryo sleep scene, these, alien, very similar. Work right. day guys. And yeah. these, this, this squad in particular, uh, they don't want to be here because they were on leave. Yes, they yeah. were just like Alien. We're yeah. like we're ready to go home, but we have to go do this. Right now, yes. they got recruited to go do this job. Right. And they and have a I've doctor seen there. This movie like two or three times, and I never realized. I think until this watch, just how similar the plot is. Oh, even the design of their ship, the Lewis yeah, and Clark, is like, very much like the Nostromo. So yeah. Like you meet these yeah blue collar characters. On they're smoking. They're hungover. They're, smoking, they're hungry. They're hanging out. Yeah. yeah, they're they're cracking jokes at each other. Right. They're all of them is like a very different personality. Mm-hmm. And then they have to go on a rescue mission. They're like nobody yeah wants to do. Yeah. It's like this is exactly the same. And, and Weir is so excited <laughs> to go visit his baby, his ship, and they're like none of us want to fucking be here so let's just explain the thing to us let's go do it i'm sorry gary i'm sorry i didn't mean to cut you off but i wanted to just get to that introduction of the characters because i do want to talk about all of them a little bit so jason isaacs oh yeah i was just he's good (laughs) i'm sorry i'm sorry i I just want to get to that one scene because that is where they all we get to meet them all yeah yeah jason isaacs is uh, unknown at this point yeah he what had he been doing at this point? I, very little. I mean, he yeah. pops up. I think he's in a Paul Greengrass movie in like 91, 92. One of his first, because uh, I think he started in 87 with David Thewlis. He's in a lot of British productions. And yeah. Sam Neill up to this point is largely a New Zealand actor in the 80s. He's in Possession, which is the best exorcism movie. It's fantastic. With a lot of body horror and fluid. Uh, he's in the... Uh, oh, he's in the Omen, Omen 3. 3. He plays adult Damien. <laughs> yeah. But largely in the early 90s, before Jurassic Park, he's in. he works with John Carpenter in Memoirs of an Invisible Man, which he's fucking excellent in that movie, despite all of its problems. And then he does The Piano, which is a big prestige movie in 93. He does Jurassic Park. He gains all kinds of attention. And instead of going on and doing like anything he wants after Jurassic Park, he works with Carpenter again and does In the Mouth of Madness. And then he's in a few other things between here and there. And now he's in Event Horizon. This guy... You don't think about Sam Neill being like a horror guy. You think of him as Jurassic Park guy. Yeah, but he, he is a horror guy. It's funny guy. that you He's say that because yeah, it's when you think yeah. about it, like he plays a horror villain so much more often than anything else yeah. and he's incredible like, at it like and he's, he's great at it but he's it, too good of an actor to be in these movies and it's like i'm so glad he is though yeah but so then glad I think he about is. yeah jurassic park it's like maybe it's because when jurassic park came out the age i was at and that's the first thing i ever saw him in Same. that's how i'll think of you, him you didn't yeah. see possession when you were six <laughs> I, will, I will remember yeah. him as sure. jurassic park as dr allen Grant. yeah yeah correct Every yeah time. and he and 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 he is as good as Harrison Ford would have been in that movie, if not better, in a way. Because I, think, I thought it was excellent. He's excellent I thought it was in that really movie. good. I don't think he had any fault in like what 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 might be like the not so great part of the movie. Correct. Yeah. No, no, no. In fact, yeah. when it starts getting into that realm in the last ten minutes, where it becomes kind of a chopped up, edited mess, he's still doing great shit there. He's really like he's 
leaning even harder into being an evil fuck. Yeah, yeah. He's so, helping it. Uh, but let's kind of go yeah. back to when the, they wake up. So they go into cryosleep, right, for like uh, 52 days. To arrive yeah. there. Yeah, yeah. To, to arrive well, first, there. Don't they, talk, and, don't they talk first about what they're doing no, before they, they do that? No, because he, he wakes up from his thing in a cryosleep chamber. That's right. And yeah, basically yeah, yeah. They, they sort of introduce they, him they, to they, the Yeah, they teach him how to wake up from cryosleep right. and not get sick. Yeah, yeah. And it establishes kind of like the familiar unit but with all the But while he's there, he has a, uh, a dream uh, about, you know, that he's woken up alone, woken up early and everyone else is still asleep and then uh, he hears someone on the ship and it's his wife that he sees with like her eyes are gouged yeah. out. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then he actually uh, is woken up by it. And that, they do this gag twice in the movie. It's a recurring much. theme. Yes. Yeah, mm. yeah of, of like a waking nightmare. Um, and we also get to meet Richard T. Jones who plays Cooper who fucking... The fact that he didn't become a star after this is confounding to me because he, he's like, so good in this man not only is he great in this but i ended up cheering for him the most he's a survivor at the movie yeah, yeah like because when you, you think he's gone we'll get to that part later but then when he comes back it's just like oh my god hey, <laughs> yeah. now you think he'd be one of the first ones gone right correct right. like the, yeah. the whole trope with horror movies about the, the black guy dying first especially the wise cracking one which he is he is the comic relief in this movie yeah. you think he's gonna probably die not only does he live, he doesn't get a scratch on him in this yeah, movie. Yeah, he's fine. He's fine. Like in fact, like he like, gets put in a there's bad a part situation. Where you think he is going <laughs> yeah, to die. There's, there's multiple parts where yeah. you think he's yeah. going to die, he, and he and he, he see, and comes back. And it would be so easy because like where yeah. he is for half the movie, what he's doing, all the shit that yeah. happens. Like yeah, you expect him at any minute to just sure. eat it and get rid of him. I mean, yeah. this is this is Hellraiser. This is not even like Jason coming after you. Right. Like, it doesn't matter if you split up or not. You will you will die here, and it's like he's fine. I mean, <laughs> the other character who makes it out who's still conscious is a fucking traumatized mess like she's yeah. never going to be okay he's still like it's okay it's okay it's everything's yeah. going to be okay he, he yeah. kind of never saw anything he no. Got, he, and, no and the, so, the people that were like the most safest were the ones that were working on the on the uh, ship that, on the were not ship. on the event yeah. Yeah. One, one, one of them does end up dying but yes. but it's not through the fault of like him yeah. him no. sabotaging himself no or no, anything. no no yeah. no, no. And, and a good a good point because we do establish that there are characters who don't see much of anything you're right they're out there working on something else it's not fucking with them like smith the uh, the mechanic guy who's great in this Sean Pertwee he was who's really good in this movie too yeah I know I've seen him in a million things but he's one of those like Guy Ritchie kind of character actor dudes who plays kind of like yeah. a, a a fast talking British like foul that, mouth was it was he in Snatch I th I want to say yes was he, but, he the other guy in Snatch no I don't think so he looked, but, he looked but like nonetheless him, he was but he was great and he's great the, Jason and Fleming crew, and Jason Statham the crew pulls up to the Event Horizon and like obviously shit is not going well there because no. there's like a bunch of floating debris over the gravity's not working but they do they do introduce some cool little like sci-fi elements like their magnetic boots and like yeah, yeah. you know all this like uh logistical shit that they're utilizing to like go through and they have these big clunky spacesuits and these briefcase lights yeah. that are they're winging around and it's like you never really like th there's a, there's really like two different like versions of like sci-fi where like you're walking around on spaceships and stuff either it's treated as if it's just on like a ship 
mm-hmm. and people are just walking around, la di da, not really like paying attention to the fact that their thing is like performing 360s in the middle of space. Right. Or you have this, which is like slow, slow heavy breathing, hard sci-fi. Just, yeah. yeah, it's yeah. it's it's like it's like shit that they're wearing and feeling is like stuff where you'd look up in the corner of like your hood and it'd be like a heart monitor to like track your yeah. your beats per minute and shit like that, and it feels very like heavy and it's like fuck man if anything pops out yeah, like you're like a slug if anything yeah. goes wrong then it's bad yeah like yeah. there's stakes with you're that. not equipped to handle anything other than like basic interactions even when she's just trying to pull a so basically characters land on the event horizon they immediately split up to do like a diagnosis of like what is the situation on the ship go and, to uh, go to engineering on one side and then go to the living quarters on the yeah, other side and, the, and go to the bridge yeah. uh, at the front and one of the first things you see is how hard it is to move around in yeah. this shit and she's just trying to pull a disc yeah. out of a thing can't get it and cannot get it with these gloves that are like squinching up and like you say well, like, yeah. I mean, like, like, if, if, if you put on like like workman's gloves and try to yeah. like, like manipulate gloves or yeah, something and try to like play with like a zip tie yeah. it's like let me take these fucking things <laughs> off and this is like that times 10 uh, also, yeah. the the scene where they go from the um, uh, what are they called the umbilical from one ship to the other, mm-hmm. the zero gravity scene where they're slowly going down it. They had to do that practically because it looks good. They had to suspend them upside down and lower them, and it was a nightmare because they're upside down in these big ass hundred pound suits. So they have blood rushing to their head, and to get them back upright, it's like I need to get up now. They had to figure out how to get them back up so they wouldn't black out. And it took like seven days to shoot this thing Holy properly. Shit. Wow! Because if they were to if they were to move too fast or bump into something, it wouldn't look real. So they had to basically slowly lower them down to create the effect of zero gravity. And like you said, it's slow, so you can't just like kick off and let's go. Right. It Everything was drags. A nightmare for on. the actors to yeah. do that shit. I'm sure. But but they basically um, get. Oh, oh, sorry. Yeah. Go ahead. No. I, well, yeah. I, well, I was going to circle back to like after they wake up and Man. when they're explaining like why they're actually on the ship, and they have to. Uh, so they introduce weird to the crew and he explains like what happened to the the ship everyone thinks that it like blew up that's what that's the cover story but uh immediately he's like no what i'm about to tell you is confident confidential information by the nsa you can't uh can't leave this room uh it did not blow up it was designed to have some intergalactic uh travel basically open a fucking wormhole and go from one part of space to another in the to full of time and space now, yeah. th- and it, this is a, a cliche gateway. this yeah. is a cliche basically in every uh sci-fi but, but thing. Neil, neil sells it so well, i know man. whenever whenever you have a character that's explaining how a wormhole works i always look for a I piece knew of paper he, as soon as he started <laughs> feeling the wall i'm like he's gonna grab a piece of paper and, and he's a gonna pen. do the pencil the teacher does yeah. the same yeah. bit in uh, stranger things and, yeah, and this yeah. stranger yeah. things interstellar yeah. does yeah. It. interstellar yeah. this yeah. piece of paper he goes oh that is stephanie and that's mine and he goes oh, this very attractive piece of paper yeah i yeah. love that line it's it's great it's it's like, a, it's like a nude model or whatever. Yeah. It says so, 2047, like February or whatever. It's a fold out. Yeah. So basically he does the wormhole explanation. They travel through a wormhole and they had gone somewhere that and disappeared and no one knew where they went. And so the mission is to figure out what happened to the crew and where the ship actually went. Yeah. Right. And so when they're on the ship, they're fanning out to find out that very information. So they go to the bridge to see, like, what are the ship logs? They go to engineering to see what's the deal and with, like, why I this is empowered love, like, as on. they're exploring it and the way they're just, like, 
uh, I think it's on the bridge um, when you just someone's walking and then in the background like some flash. Fl- yeah li- some lights flicker yeah. and you see some horrible you, like yeah. blood yeah. on the wall you, see, you see dead space on the wall back yeah. there yeah. it's like oh dear someone has been turned into like ground chuck yeah like the yeah. skulls right. are embedded yes. into the wall it's and the, bad and the first like actual identifying scary information that you find is like it, it's either the floating hand or the dead body that's like in the bridge when she's trying to pull out the, the corpse sickle. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. It's it's basically a frozen body of someone who's been mangled and mauled. Yeah, they, they think they say is this decompression? And they're saying decompression does not do that. This looks like a fucking animal, a wild right. animal guy. Like its its eyes and, and its face I love are just when demolished. They turn on uh, the gravity back on, and then yeah. it just it falls yeah. to the ground and it it, sh- it, shatters. it shatters, it's but then it also explodes in like a dust of blood. But yeah. The, so the thing that I like that they establish here by saying that that looks like an animal did it or something like that that makes you think for a little bit sure. oh there's something on yeah, the ship right it's a biometric scan there's a bunch of living organisms there's a biological entity yes, yes. there's an organic animal beast monster something alien sure. that is on the ship that caused this to happen and it's basically living in the ship so it kind of throws you off to a little bit there to make you think plays with the tropes of the genre right bit, it yeah. makes you think like oh okay so they're gonna get on the ship and there's gonna be some monster that like i hope they got laser guns yeah right <laughs> right <laughs> like yeah where's the mech suit right right so they establish that pretty early on but then it kind of like comes back in once they get the power on and like after the little scares the little jump scares mm-hmm. that they do they start like planning like okay what's the situation crew's gone you know blah 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 um and they, it kind of comes back down to like a very level-headed situation where they're like, all right, making heads or tails, getting what we can from the ship, salvaging, blah, 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 checking out the rooms. But as we're going through this, and this really is like the next, it's, it's basically the next like hour of the movie or 45 minutes of the movie is... Different characters having different hallucinations Correct. and horrific. We did skip scenes. over a really big so, part when they are still exploring the ship before they yes. get there. So and before the gravity comes on, Justin, who's played by Jack Noseworthy, who's kind of the only bad actor in the movie, but he's not in there very long, so it's okay. He doesn't have much yeah. to do. He goes into the engineering part of the ship. He finds the hyperdrive room or whatever. Which is the, the warp gate yeah, thing. The Lovecraftian yeah. fucking nightmare of design. The heart of the ship. And yeah. it, it opens very much like the Lament configuration. Um, and it's a dark portal, basically, that hole. you don't see yeah. anything in it, anything no. coming out of it. And he reaches out to touch it, and something touches his finger. And pulls him in. And <laughs> then he reaches his hand in, for whatever reason, well, and then gets yanked inside not to get too Nietzschean about it but I mean this is something that he almost can't help but like I yeah I I understand yeah Yeah. but it's very early on and he basically disappears until later when you know he He gets sucked in and and Cooper who's Richard T. Jones Runs in there after him. He is he, the, he's, he's the re, his goal uh, role on the crew is the rescue man. Yeah, he's the rescue guy. Yeah, he's the one who'll, who'll get your ass out of trouble. So he he comes onto the ship and he's pulling himself along to Justin and Justin comes and he's out. moving fast too. Oh yeah, and he's he's this is where you start he's seeing him be serious like up there and he's ready. Yeah, just for shit to go wrong as they're going through it. And as soon as they know that something happened to him, he's like, yeah. "Let me go." And his little tether is like maxing out the length of it 
and he's trying to get to this guy and yeah eventually what's, what's scary for him though is like he gets in that room and he's rushing to it and when justin comes out he grabs justin but that's when he starts getting kind of like a purview of the room yeah and he's there's spinning. spikes everywhere yeah it's like why he's just going what the fuck what the fuck is this shit what the fuck <laughs> and that's when they turn on the, the gravity. gravity and i do like the water does not look great that's in zero g but when it actually yeah when falls, it goes falls. looks pretty good i mean well, like, that's just real water and they it's just filthy water. water it's just like brown and turgid looks like oil almost yeah yeah yeah, yeah it kind of seems like that might be it so they i guess it's been oxidized and it's, the air is full of carbon dioxide and everything else so that gravity comes back on and um that's why i guess that's when well this this begins the beginning this begins the whole like argument with dr weir where like hey man we saw some wacky ass shit yeah. in your ship right. that you designed with this special little motor that sends people through space and time yeah um it was a black hole young man here who is now like unconscious but still alive tonic is yeah yeah, he's he's a vegetable and i saw a giant black hole in your engine room and other people have started having like hallucinations or visions at this point no one's really come forward except for no one so so we're just like you're you're hallucinating that can only happen what you're describing can only happen if the The drive is open open. that's it that the drive that's the drive was open how how would he know what that looks like (laughs) if he right because he's never been on the ship before was he just gonna make it up on the fly he's just like gaslighting him or something just like the worst to argue with he's he's playing the role of like the scientist who is just like oh it's technically impossible well, I, yeah. I did have a note that he's like uh, he's playing this very uh arrogant like when he's very trying, yeah well even when he's explains them what the role of the mission is and they're like he the way he says he's i'm like, trying to explain you, this to you in layman's yeah, terms yeah layman's terms yeah and basically he gives he's like a dissertation like a, a crowd full of fucking astronauts and he's like right. yeah. a layman's terms yeah. yeah which which i do want to mention real quick because we did like draw the comparison you know in like alien and everything it's like a blue collar crew and everything yeah Man, if this doesn't feel like they really are just like ragtag, because you would think that like a recovery mission of this caliber, of this scale, and like this significance, you would have like whatever your S tier is for personnel to go in and recover this thing. But man, if they don't repeatedly act like the B crew. Well, okay. You now, know? See, I would disagree with you because this is a point I was going to make too. That I feel like the movie kind of subverts another trope too that I really liked about watching it and it's kind of different from Alien and other horror movies too in general, I think, which is that the crew actually to me seems really competent the whole time. Like they, they, are. they there's a lot of scientific jargon, but everything they're doing seems like they're doing it by the book. They know exactly how to do it, what the procedure is. And we've established that it's a supernatural movie. And then when all that shit starts hitting the fan, they're actually talking to each other about it. They they're are. like, I, I'm seeing hallucinations of you. And they're like, yeah, Late, and then they're like, on. all right, let's deal with and, this. And in that scene with, with Weir where he's like, it's very technical and, and Miller Miller says, try us and stark is sitting there like completely fixated on him like i will probably right. understand yeah. most of the what only one who's like uh, who's confused is cooper cooper yeah well, the comic relief the justin who gets who's sucked yeah, in yeah, yeah. seems like, a little we the, kind of a dumb dumb even we yeah. as the yeah. audience for a lot of the movie are confused about really what's happening and i think that's kind of intentional but also like it 
it kind of puts you in the in sort of the same perspective as the crew, which like they don't really know what's going on, but they don't care. It's like uh, we, this is supernatural shit. Whatever. Yeah, I don't like, care. Right, but, yeah. But the I, I think the thing that kind of <laughs> I don't care, man. We just gotta get out <laughs> of here. I was doing Tommy Lee Jones, man. I, uh, the the thing that kind of like uh, makes me believe that like man, they where are the professionals at is like the two dummies, right? The kid and then the other guy who's kind of like you know whatever, fucking you know play it off the cuff or whatever but is that like they split up no, Just, no, it, no. they don't know anything on this ship on, that has disappeared you, you we're comparing it to aliens still why why do they send miners to that particular rescue signal it's a, it's all a corporate thing crew expendable that's a whole part of that movie. Sure. Don't, sure, don't sure, send sure. a giant thing. Send a small one out and send the expert out and see what the fuck happens. But but I mean when they when they get down to like how they disperse themselves amongst the ship, mm-hmm. especially given like how massive the I, ship is. I and think everything. they're still handling that pretty well because they they've all got cameras on their things. They're all constant communications during that first exploration, and they've all got tethers that the rescue guys keep an eye on. And they're the keeping time. people on the Lewis and Clark that need to be on there in case they need to leave. And yeah, right. Weir's, on, there are Weir's on the Lewis things. and Clark. Coop's on the Lewis and Clark, and they've got one or two other Starks people on, the on there. Yeah, Starks. Sure. there are multiple events that happen that seem like oh shit, they're fucked, but they. They managed to like sort of work through it and figure out a solution. They, like when the event horizon, when the gravity drive like shuts off, whatever, and it mm-hmm. it puts a hole in the fucking Lewis and Clark in their ship, which the uh, has a lot to do with the the black hole spitting Justin back right. out. Right, it I creates mean, it a power basically, surge. I mean, yeah. it rips mm-hmm. their ship in half. It tears and the it engineers up. still manage to go outside and patch it up and yeah. actually make the ship still usable. Yeah, just like that was twenty hours. Me, yeah, it gave me it gave me like I was kind of impressed by that in the way that it's like okay, so they know what the fuck they're doing. Right. Yeah. I think yeah. what I'm more so referring to is the fact that you see a mangled dead body, a, a totally absent crew. They split up before and a, that. And yes, but then they keep splitting up after that. They do like, keep doing that. They, yeah. And I'm like, the, because again, at this point, I've never seen the movie, don't know it's cosmic horror. But at that point in the movie, I'm like, where's the guns? What are you going to do if a little gabagool comes out of the air vent? <laughs> And just starts gobbling up your toes. What are you going to do? Are you going to hit him with your briefcase if fight? cured meat comes out? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What you, what, like, that, that's more so Joe, what I'm, Joe Pesci comes out of the van. I'm just, just going to breathe like James Gandolfini the rest of the podcast. <laughs> he comes out of the van and he just goes, what are you doing? That's more so what I'm talking about is that like... Very early on, I'm like, well, you don't know what's on the ship, and the only information that you have is that it's covered in biometric readings, well, but you've also seen mangled bodies and pieces and blood thrown across the street. What makes you think that won't happen to you if seen you walk away the alone? Body, but they also they keep doing a timeline. We have 17 hours. We have 14 hours. Time flies by because they have 20 hours of breathable air. Right. Yeah, yeah. And it, it, they have to divide and conquer to an extent because it's like, look, whatever the fuck else is actually happening here before we all confess that our sins and like what we're seeing and all right. that we're all seeing. Like, we have a shared hallucination. They. They are. They have a timeline crunch. There, hours and hours are going by right, at first. Right, yeah. So, and they, I need you to do this. Uh, I certain do this. people need to be in certain areas. Correct. Like DJ has to be with uh, Justin in the med bay. The you know take you know or Kathleen Quinlan, who we haven't even talked about. What's what's her name? In this? Uh, uh, starts with a P. Perkins, something like that. Well, Kathleen Quinlan has been around. She's been around a long time too. She's very established as an Peters? actress. 
Peters. Peters. Yeah, Peters. Yeah, yeah. She, she's she's, she's in charge of like watching Justin, but also scrubbing the ship's log yes. to like see what happened. Which that, that once they do find that out, it's like, well, you know, now you know what happened to all. Yeah, but it, it happens yes. kind of late. When and she to your point, does once they that. see the log and see the video and how fucking crazy it is, that's at the point where they should just be like, okay, right. Miller, we don't know what the fuck we're dealing they, with. Miller they, does. They do. We, he, fuck this ship. We're yeah, leaving. We're leaving. He's yeah. like, we're leaving, but then they proceed to stick around to like gather like stuff. Like CO2 scrubbers. Like, like the, yeah, but yeah. the one dude's like, I'm gonna go back to medical to grab some stuff. Why? What do you need, what do you need out of there? Oh, well, he needs to get grabbed by ghoulies. That's what he needs. Well, yeah. Like, yeah. He, he, you know what I mean? Like, at that point, it's like, well, why did he even go? I think he needs stuff go? for Justin and some of the other crew members. I think that was the logic there. I, th- I think they'd already put him in, like, cryo. Justin's in cryo. Yeah, they still need to treat him because he's, yes. like, he's on death's door. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get all to that. Okay, but anyway, so, the, I mean, the, the overarching, like, what happens is this consistent uh, characters get left alone or find themselves in a position where they are left alone and then they start to hallucinate whether it's Dr. Weir it Miller. starts with Weir Weir in, yeah. the, in the air vents which is a great scene that, that's right. the one where he sees yeah. his oh, wife the, the green suicide. air vents which yeah. I mean if you're going to have like an alien adjacent a, thing you got air me, vents it reminded me a lot of uh, uh, 2001 scene like, where, where yeah. he's like the red room, the red where, room. He, yeah, mm-hmm. the, where it's all the drives where he he's trying to shut down Hal yeah. Yeah, they, um, if you mix that with the alien scene and Tom Skerritt where he's going through the air vents and he thinks the xenomorph is a little tiny guy still yeah and he's starting to like okay I I gotta get the fuck out of here like I'm starting to panic a little bit here tell me the way to get out of here and then the power starts going off yeah it's really great because it's it's just like all the lights behind him it it creates his death of all the lights just it just gets dark behind him until there's just and they do the the zoom forward pull back they do the parallax effect while the lights are going out that that was a pretty good shot yeah Yeah. and and so the reason they go in there is because he assumes like oh okay well maybe something's wrong with one of the circuits for right. the hyperdrive d- death monster machine that is sitting in the <laughs> base of this fucking ship and so he starts crawling around on his hands and knees and these like neon green circuit board yeah. looking things that are basically holding a bunch of ram sticks matrix code walls <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. And it it's looks, cool looking now. it looks sick yeah it's awesome but but yeah so that that's essentially what happens where you like have these consistent uh, hallucinations that are happening and at least the, at first the crew is kind of like standoffish to elaborate on those because Weir's having them well, but I guess he's all, explaining that's where they're all split up right. for the first time Miller starts having them about a, a burning man a, a burning man who turns out to be one of his ex crew members that died uh, during a catastrophic event who was screaming for help and Miller left because yeah. he had no other option which is a really cool scene like it's, it happens the same time when uh, Weir's in yes. the event I believe and he's like he just sees someone on fire rising like, out of the water bubbling yeah. fire out of the coolant or whatever he's yeah. like yeah like a sends out of it it never says anything or anything like that in uh-uh. that scene yeah. and it just sort of flashes forward and and peter sees her son oh god uh, a mm-hmm. couple of times what a great um, audio effect of the hand on the on the tarp or whatever because you just keep, it sounds like a zipper almost yeah mm-hmm. yeah and man she, she sees her son a couple of times so she's starting to lose it and anytime anyone brings up anything to weir he just explains it away he's like no yeah. you're hallucinating co2 or your your trauma you know blah 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 you that you're you're imagining these things so, even though he is suffering to that point, a lot i think it's a denial 
of his with his trauma combined with his trauma of mm-hmm. he probably was so fucking resolute on building the event horizon that had to be so much of himself going into that that he abandoned his wife who ended up killing herself and he won't abandon the ship and which is why yeah he's taking weird. on isolation as a punishment that's why he's sitting there circling on that station of earth of i deserve to be alone and because he says like i've been so alone at one point so that's an interesting stuff perspective because yeah. that was going to be my question that i i struggle to understand weird as a character really he can't he can't admit and acknowledge that i've the thing that killed my wife and ruined my life yeah Yeah. that this is bad this is tangibly bad it can't be that this is my chance for redemption it's 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 the absolute uh epitome of just because you can doesn't mean you should no this is just crusade he's he's haunted by the fact that his wife committed suicide because he worked too much he was always he was absentee yeah yeah absentee and now he's trying to bury that by burying himself well i don't i don't know if he's trying to i don't it's all he knows i don't know if he's trying to bury it so much as like this is his only thing this is all he has if this is bad then his him leaving his wife was a complete was worth nothing yeah it was worth nothing there there was correct it makes it completely it was all like for not. he abandoned his wife for absolutely nothing and it makes him feel which if he's worth. the company corporate part of this if he's the Waylon yutani element from alien crew expendable maybe he doesn't there's give a a fuck something about cut then or uh you know there was something shot where you that maybe that was established a little bit better because in the scene with his wife like I think I might have understood it better if it had been described the way you just said it. Like, if he had had a moment where he said that, like, I have to do this because I can't let that be in vain, then I I think it would have made a little more sense. I got it just through his performance. I I think it's the thing that, like, that's what makes him so susceptible to the ship. Because basically what is happening here, because we haven't really spelled it out, is essentially the ship did disappear and come back. It went to some chaotic evil hell dimension that basically led to the entire crew's disappearance, liquefying, murder, uh, self- just mass suicide if you look at it you go insane it's it's just insanity Mm -hmm. that like ripped them apart basically and it is basically living inside of the ship at this point it is a gateway to this chaotic realm of just absolute evil and is taking its toll on the crew members especially on Dr. Weir and I think that that is the thing like him having such a tie to the ship, him making it his Makes baby. Him an acolyte. It's yeah. it's his thing. He doesn't want to abandon the ship because his wife died in his pursuit of even making this thing, and he can't let that go to waste. It can detect so I think, that. I think. I yeah. think it's yeah. preying upon him and yeah. using that to make him basically manifest a a person to usher in. It's giving it's, the yeah, ship. It, he's an yeah. acolyte. It's giving was... the evil. It's giving the evil human agency on yeah. the ship where he is able to basically the ship is having to like surge power just to give them hallucinations. It's having to do certain things and it's losing effectiveness, but it's preying upon trauma and fear and everything else. Just like any sort of haunting thing. The more sure. upset you are, the more it's going to do that thing. Look at the shining. 
It can do little tricks here and there, but when things start really becoming grievous, that's when you start seeing more and more and more and more and more shit. It's giving it power. And so, it's so it's so horrific that it leads Justin at one point after everyone's been kind of like spread out throughout the ship, seeing hallucinations, arguing, fighting against time to get their ship back up and repaired. It leads Justin to go to the airlock with no suit, no yeah. nothing. Yeah, no one's paying attention to him. It's got that shot of where uh, Peter's, Peter's just by. walking back. It's and quick. He's laying, yeah, yeah, he's laying on and the bed. Escaped. She walks by and then she comes back and he's just gone. Right. Yeah. And this it's it's been it's it was such a horrific experience for justin that he's sitting in this airlock locking out the other crew members and he's about to throw himself into space because of everything that he has seen well, but he kind of has point, this... he's uh, he's basically possessed right yeah. at this stage yes. but as soon as he's about to actually exit the ship yeah and he's already into hit space, the button yeah. While the, he's hit the button, he's locked everyone out, and everyone's trying to get in, and he hits that button, and he's saying, like, the dark is coming for you. Yeah, or did you something. see it? The dark. Yeah, did you did, see it? Did you hear it? And, and then, like, yeah. after he's hit the button to open the airlock, oh, it's got, like, God. a 30-second delay. It, like, and, releases him. Yeah, it releases him, and he's what, like, what's what so the cool fuck am I doing here? Yeah, yeah we open the door, open the door. Yeah, he, he thinks they put him in there it's or the, something. It's the siren or whatever that kind of wakes him up, but what's so great in that scene with the decompression is it's like, in most movies, the door opens, and it's just a vacuum but in this when it gets down to eight seconds the room starts decompressing yes. and you see the veins yeah. it becomes yeah. vascular and yeah. he's already bleeding and in that pain that part was pretty brutal holy yeah. and, shit and Miller, yeah. that's Miller something is, that you don't yeah. normally see when you see space right. out movies it that, was that, wild I thought he was just gonna you know die and yeah. be gone yeah, yeah, totally he's over yeah. Yeah. he had the whole 30 seconds for the door to open yeah. or something but no mm -hmm. it's like the room is decompressing as uh, right. as uh, it's bad it's a slow decline and Miller is like racing outside of the ship to be outside the air lock so that he can launch himself into justin talking to justin and he's talking to him the whole time like i need you to make yourself small yeah, i need you to get into a ball, a ball. i need you to like Close empty all the air out of your lungs because yeah. he's trying to save him and he's being calm and cool and collected and he launches himself into him grabs him hits the airlock and they get inside he shuts the door behind him and like justin is fucked. very fucked yeah. like his body is just like like veins have burst like yeah you can, you yeah. can tell by yeah. when he's in the cryo chamber you can kind of see his legs and his arms and it's like this was not just blood this was not like internal bleeding no, no. he has he has a lot of he's probably got ruptured organs yes. at this point this yeah. man is on life support he's, and bad. doing horribly and like the when it's happening he's just laying out this horrible fucking scream yeah the whole oh, time God. it's yeah. really it's really rough but it's one of the most solid almost yeah. deaths I've, i think yeah. i've ever seen it, it, it's, it's so really great effective. that he doesn't die like what a weird yeah. thing because when like you think after he gets sucked into the hole you're like well that's it he's dead this is like the yeah. hour mark and i don't think anyone no one's died yet not on screen and when they start dying boy they all start dying quick back yes. to back to back to back i mean yes. it, it's like alien to where an hour goes by nothing 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 except for john hurt with the chestburster scene yeah. but, but then the scene after scene just, it's just this dead, is it dead, dead, yeah. dead. And, then, and so like once they get justin back in cryosleep yeah you're right it starts like taking its toll on everybody which could be the stress of that having yeah, happened to justin because all of as yeah. the trauma increases mm -hmm. and the like stakes get even more dire the amplification of the ship's horrific ability starts yeah. to take more to and more of a toll on it. yeah it, it 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 really like starts to manifest even more and so that leads to i don't know who dies next i think it's peters peters right? is the first to die but yeah. before the Justin, right before the justin thing is the scene with uh peters though where she starts hearing the banging on the door 
And Weir is fully gone, like possessed acolyte of open the door. And you finally see Stark, who's really been absent up until now. I mean, we're at the 45 minute mark. She sort of twists his arm back and kind of goes Ellen Ripley of like, we're not doing this. We're not doing this. She does have some agency there. And that's when Justin is, it starts ringing in the airlock and they race to Justin. After this though, yeah, they basically, um, Peters does say we, we scrubbed the tape, the, the ship log, we found it. So they go and they watch it, and it's tough. It's bad. Yeah, um, it's just like the the former crew is just like, I mean, they're they're stabbing each other. They're going orgiastic. crazy, orgy, so I, all bloody. Their eyes are clawed out. I yeah. think I read that there's something like another ninety minutes okay, or something okay, yeah, like we'll, that. We'll, hang get, on, hang we'll on. get into that if we have time. I've got the descriptions it will be on p- 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 patreon because it's like 20 minutes worth of a conversation of how, what the other version of this movie is we're just going to cover this part here. okay I'm, right. I, I, I'm sorry i didn't mean to cut you off i told no, him no, that no, already I, th- yeah, I think that's it's, great it's uh, 30 minutes worth of conversation of what the other cut of this is and what happened to it and how we'll never see it right it's, okay. it's, it's so well i think yeah, the only thing i wanted to say yeah. really was that i can't really decide if i like or hate the fact that you don't see more of the hellscape it's x-ray because uh, right because i mean what you do see is so it's so fast but you can tell it's so visceral high production and very high yeah, production it's like whoa what i will suggest is if you want to google image it i mean with vhs back in the day it was a grainy like i can kind of make out what's going on but with blu-ray and dvd even with amazon prime pause it take a look because yeah, it's, it's not good it's silent <laughs> hill meets dead space meets hellraiser it is a lot of fucking There's a lot production. of shit going on really fast yeah. at once. It's, it's a bunch yeah. of like gruesome images and that leads them to put it into gear like, all right, we're getting the fuck out of here. And, it's yeah, so, and it go. happens so fast because one yeah. minute they're like, all right, so we're opening the gate. There, You hear them talking and then it instantly just turns into screaming. And, and like Latin and them speaking and Latin, Latin, which yeah. they do establish because the Latin thing would be even cool if no one spoke Latin, but it does establish the original captain spoke Latin because he basically says like, yeah fucking live long and conquer or you know live long and uh prosper but the second miller sees that i love that i'm he says we're leaving and you see yeah. <laughs> you see him and we're walking down the corridor and he's like you can't leave the ship and he's like not only am i going to leave the ship i'm going to turn the lewis and clark around i'm going to fire fucking like attack missiles at it until i am sure that it's vaporized and basically weird tries to grab him and he turns and pushes him and says fuck this ship like we're out yeah, of here and I, I love part. that exchange yeah, man yeah, yeah. and that's like when, you can stay on the ship if you want and yeah. i'll torpedo your ass and he basically says like you know we're going home and he says i already am home like yeah she, she, and then she, he she just like you leave yeah. into yeah. the fucking yeah. darkness yeah. The, yeah, the, the lights are going out and he goes and he descends back into the darkness and it's like here we go he becomes yeah, yeah. he becomes mad yeah he, he gets he bad from here now and so that's when everyone starts splitting off to go like wrap up the last minute things peters is assisting with grabbing co2 tanks or o2 with dj tanks. yeah yeah with dj mm-hmm. in uh engineering and she sees a glimpse of her son and that leads her to chase after him which yeah. ends up with her falling falling to her, to her death of a grisly death too and the little yeah. boy he looks like the little boy that keeps haunting uh whichever one it is in flatliners he has that sort of like evil like sallow face do you remember that in Flatliners? Like, I think it's Kiefer Sutherland. Vaguely, uh, one of them's um, like, like one of them's getting the shit beat out. Really the child it, does look like much. an adult, uh, a small adult. Yeah, he does. <laughs> yeah, he's he's got like kind of an uncanny appearance. Yeah, but, but, but leads her through, leads her through like the ducts of the engineering uh, engine 
bay and she ends up falling to her death yeah. right in front of that fucking gateway again it's just sitting there like menacingly as she's sitting in like a pool of her own crushed body it's and it's the blood rains down from her impact right and it's like good this God. is one of the few moments in the movie where i was like okay y'all were being really smart now all of a sudden you're just not yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, here's yeah. here's where you, the shit you starts have to take its toll yeah you have established yeah. that you're all having hallucinations you know it's a hallucination but you still can't well, force yourself I, I to think that to right now. your point mike this is like a more of a drawn to it thing once it starts happening you're being well, it's yeah. right near that core man yeah it's and right next not, to and it she's yeah. not thinking rationally anymore like, and then, no. can't yeah and then, uh dr weir gets the drop on uh what well, well hang on hang on sam neil goes and he finds peters and i love his delivery because he goes oh god Peters, no, and you can tell. Like, I don't know how to really be here. Like, I don't know how to like. Like, I'm not that sad or something. I'm almost kind of glad that like. Oh, now I've got to go tell them we have to come back into the gravity chamber and get Peters out. Like, oh golly gee, like this is so tragic. And that's when he um he sort of has his hallucination and goes back to seeing his wife kill herself, and she she gouges his eyes out and then it cuts to him do- gouging his eyes out yeah he's mm-hmm. he's clawing his own eyes out and then we go into the medical bay where he gets and attacks what what, what is his well, name well well then then at, right after uh, that DJ. right DJ. after that is when smith is saying we're good to go let's go like let's go now and that's when Fishburne Miller sees uh, the missing explosive. Sees the missing from explosive. The, yeah, then the the there were some like explosives set all along the main corridor yeah. that are the for emergencies to like blow up and separate the uh, uh, the, the living bridge yeah, from the engineer. The living quarters become like um, a, a rescue or whatever. Vessel. Yeah, 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 lifeboat. So he's telling Smith, you know, get off of the ship. He's put an explosive, and he's like, I just fixed it. Oh, I just spent the, 20 hours fixing it. This scene was so it. heartbreaking, too, because uh, he's like, a, yeah. he's like, I'm, I want to get out of here. I'm not getting off the, the no. Lewis and Clark, and he's fucking looking everywhere for this explosive, and then he finally finds it, and he's so happy that he found it, and he's going to throw it out, but it's got five it's fucking got, seconds yeah. left. Yeah. And, he, and he just excels and just sort of accepts his fate, and it blows and he's up. he's like, fuck, man. It's, yeah. yeah, it sucks. I did, I did notice, though, when he finds the bomb... <laughs> There's like a bunch of buttons along the bottom of the like UI or whatever yeah. on the HUD, and there's a disarm button right there. But I was like, hit the disarm, hit the disarm. Who, who, who yeah, knows? yeah, yeah. I, know, <laughs> I, know, I, know. I mean, there's but probably some guy. Notice that. Yeah, yeah. I, I just it was very quick, but like yeah. So they essentially, uh, Doctor Weir blows up the Lewis and Clark ship, which yeah. they had just fucking fixed. Oh, that's tragic. Which sends. Um, Sends I, poor Cooper. Cooper. Yeah, Cooper sends the ship. Cooper out in the fucking space. <laughs> the, the scariest the th- place to be. Dude, yeah. he's just drifting. It's like of all of the fates, that would be the worst one. Yeah, drifting like, into like deep, deep space. Deep space. Yeah. Yeah, like, I mean, but okay. yeah, his uh, his reaction to it is really funny. It's like, great. what the fuck am I doing well, now? Yeah. It, it makes <laughs> sense for him because he is the calm head. He's the rescue guy of like, just breathe, just breathe. I'm going to blow all my air. I'm going to blow my air. This better fucking work. And then he, he launches himself. Back. Back I'm towards coming the event. Yeah. motherfuckers. Yeah, he's yeah. great, man. <laughs> the so rolls. And so after he blows up the ship, killing Smith. Which which that's the first confirmed death for Miller 
And Miller takes that shit hard. He's, right. I mean, he just collapses and bangs his head a bunch of times. Like, that's, he doesn't even know about Peters yet. Yeah. And it's like, I lost one. I lost one of my guys. I lost the ship. Which, like, I'm we know we've been seeing well, the he hallucination. Thinks, he thinks that he lost Smith and Cooper. He thinks that they're that, both cor- dead. Yeah, you're yeah. right. Correct. Yeah. And we know he's been seeing the hallucination, but at this point, have, have has he talked about having he, lost he told, his He guy? told uh, DJ I, about. He, yeah, he told, he told DJ story. that okay, he yeah. saw, yes. you know, who it was and everything yeah. and what it meant to him. And that's where, you know, he starts having the breakdown. But during, like, immediately Which, after, this is when DJ yeah, gets yeah. attacked He's, by Dr. Weir. Smith, yeah, if you see because, Smith, then... Yeah, because Miller is talking to DJ, yeah. and then that's when Dr. And Weir gets... If you like, see Smith take him a, out. A big hatchet or whatever, whatever that is. as soon as he turns around... Weir's behind Weir him with and with no eyes yeah, yeah grabs him and good god when he, Miller goes in there it is dead space in there like there are fucking runic symbols on the walls he's he is, hung up by hooks yeah, it's is, like yeah. the cell in there oh he's yeah. suspended you know, he's, by hooks from his back and he is like vivisected which by the way what Coop, uh, or not Cooper DJ is the only guy who clearly has like that guy's traumatized the entire yes, that movie. That guy has been like the first words he says when that they're explaining like who, what each role, <laughs> yeah. everyone's roles are. Everyone, you know, has a has a roundabout way. It's like you know, I'm the guy that saves your ass. I'm right. I'm this. I'm that. And he's I'm like, the lifesaver. I'm the heartbreaker. Yeah. yeah. And then they get and this is DJ and he's like trauma. That's his, the, his first line. Yeah. Because yeah. he's this deadpan guy just and then delivering. When it. Uh, he's getting, uh, you see him start to be thrown on the med table by yeah. uh, Weir and he starts to cut him open. He's got this long ass scar already going Huge down. Huge scar. His, uh, yeah. Chest. Like he had like an open heart surgery or something like that. I don't know what it is. I know there are more scenes uh, that they cut of his character. Yeah. Because I think they felt like he's already portraying trauma so well that if we just see the scar, you don't really have to have those scenes. Yeah, I, so these are easy cuts. You, yeah, you probably didn't. You didn't but really he, need it. Yeah. yeah, he takes he takes care of DJ, God. leaves him strung up. The, in the worst death in the movie. The, yeah, with his, I mean, oh yeah, it's a slow. It's just blow me up or like let me drop like Peters. I mean, yeah. fuck, those are not that bad by comparison. But yeah. this is this is a tough Hellraiser death. Here. Yeah, this dude gets ripped apart essentially, and then that leaves Stark and Miller. Miller. And Justin's still in cryo sleep. Coop yeah. is coming back. Cooper is on his way back, motherfucker. <laughs> there are like enough people that are still alive for the whole time. I'm trying to remind myself how, who is on this crew again? It's what? like seven Who's people. Left? Yeah. yeah. There's, there's Which of the seven dwarves is still on this <laughs> show? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, but Dr. Weir and has like this come to uh, with Miller and Stark because Miller's trying to find Stark. He finds her. He's carrying one of those like bolt guns or whatever. Which the best line in the movie is, what happened to your eyes? We don't need eyes where we're going. And it's like, oh God, <laughs> well, we're going, we don't need roads. So he finds... Funny, <laughs> 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 you don't need eyes where we're going. <laughs> That'd be a great back Dog, to the yeah, It's just like, he's covered in like Cenobite scars. Yeah. <laughs> he find, so he what finds... What happened to your doc? He finds Stark on it's the bridge, knocked out. He finds Stark knocked out. And he's like yeah. going to her aid. And when he looks back, the gun is gone. Yeah. And... Fucking uh, Doctor Weir spins around in the little uh, captain's chair or yeah. whatever. I love the and way that anytime anyone sits in that captain's chair, it's so hard to take them it, seriously. It looks like their legs it, don't work. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. it, it looks like it looks like this. The chair is spinning whether they want it to or not. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> every time yeah. it's so funny. Yeah. but but he spins around. He's got the gun, and so there's this whole like standoff or whatever. But then fucking Cooper, like a fly on a windshield, smacks the bridge. Yeah. Like deck, the, Wait, the like, window. The He's like, I'm here. Yeah. What, what the, the fuck, fuck is that? Yeah, what the yeah. fuck is that? Don't shoot, don't shoot me. 
That, and Dr. Weir shoots the bolt gun at the window, popping a hole in the bridge. Decompressing. And it yeah. just causes just a fucking vacuum of space to start ripping shit right, out. For a second, I was so sad. I thought, don't tell me that Cooper made it here. And yeah, yeah, I, I, I seriously Which the decompression, when, it's, when it stops in the glass and spins or whatever, mm-hmm. that pressure blows Coop away. So it saved his life, if anything. Yeah. And uh, so, really, if anything, that whole shot and decompressing the thing, that's the best way that could have gone. Because I think dealing with Weir, you're going to die. Like, yeah. The, you're, yeah, if you take this guy on, you're dead. So this was a this was a mulligan for them. So he gets sucked out, uh, Weir does, and Miller gets out through the door, and Stark is still being, like, sucked out, but he refuses to, to leave, to let her yeah. go. And, and it's the door's very, shutting. Like, the door's about to shut. He's yeah. wedged it open. Stark is trying her best to get to him, and he's trying to reach as far as he can. She wants to he, give up, yeah. This is, mm-hmm. this is the only one of his fucking crew members that he thinks he can save, because he assumes everyone this else is, is gone. Yeah, yeah. 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 He dead. does not Cooper want to leave right. another person behind. Yeah, yeah. This, this is the only person he's got left, and he does manage to save her. Yeah. And like it, it, there are during that scene, I wasn't sure of like, because the way that door is closing, it's getting really tighter, but it's also got these sharp spikes. I thought it was going to collapse. Oh, yeah. dude, because like he, someone wedges lose a fucking space arm here axe or whatever in there. Yeah, yeah, it's and it, it keeps slipping. Those tools look like something out of like a Cronenberg, like Dead Ringers or something. Of like, Jesus, what do you use that for in gynecology? What the fuck is that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they have a very like cool design. It's a, and it's a great scene. Does it? it carries a lot of emotional weight too? Is, is it yeah. the scene with DJ where he does the monologue where he does the Have you ever seen fire and zero gravity? Yeah. It's yeah, beautiful, yeah, yeah. yeah. like yeah. that whole thing. Like that's that's probably my favorite scene in the movie it, when he it, talks about that. It establishes and DJ great. and Miller too, because uh-huh. he says, "You know, I've known you for a really long time. You've never told me that." And he's like, "I've never told anyone that. That's just a thing. Right. Like, it knows yeah. my but the secrets. ship knows it. Yeah. yeah. And to and Something to like what end. you were saying with DJ, him probably being the most person with the most trauma. That's like probably the best character to have that conversation Correct. with. Correct. Uh, yeah. Miller. Yeah. All mm-hmm. the all the characters have the right conversations with the right other characters. I yeah. think. I, I don't think there's any really wasted scenes in this movie. So, oh, and I will say, um, we're talking about character motivation with Weir and all that stuff of like why there is a there's a novel written of the movie. It was written alongside the movie, not at, it's not like a novelization of the movie, like written after by some hack. It was written alongside, just like Alien was written by Dan O'Bannon at the same time, like in 2001. Write the book and write the screenplay at the same time. <laughs> so the book I've read it, and if you want to get it on eBay, it's like. $87. It's tough. Wow. There's not many copies, but it takes on the perspective of mainly Weir. So you're actually hearing the internal monologue of Weir and Miller. It's worth a read. It's not like a tough read or anything, but you're mainly seeing it from Miller and Weir's perspective, and it deals with the past and trauma and all that stuff. It's an interesting read because a lot of the scary stuff in the movie you're seeing with the secondary and tertiary characters, yeah. that's sort of omitted. You're seeing the after effects of what they've gone through, and there's a lot of guesswork. It's more of a psychological terror. Correct. Novel. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. worth the read. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And 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 so they say he saves Stark, and that's when they hear this banging at the fucking airlock door again. Yeah. And I think it's like, weird. Yeah. Fuck, man, is this dude still not done? And it and, and it opens up, and it's fucking Cooper, and he <laughs> made it. Don't hit me. Yeah, don't don't hit me. Yeah, I, I'm so glad that he makes it. It's like, I know. Yes. Dude, I'm, they, you're rooting for him the whole yeah, time. Good, good for you, dude. Like, you deserve to be here. You went through hell, and you tried so hard to get here. I mean, I hate that. I hate that, too, because you see Richard T. Jones pop up in movies after this, and it's like cop number three. 
And it's like, why is this guy not at least like the friend or the this he's or the this? Funny. I think, yeah, I think he's, he's really he's in funny. the wood, I think, and he's really good in that. He pops up on things, but he's never like first or fourth build. He's like tenth building things. I could have easily seen him, seen him in like a, a, plenty of other movies. Yes. He, he could have he could have between done like ninety seven and like two thousand five. Like yeah. put him in yeah. stuff, man. Yeah. I mean, yeah. he's, he's still acting. He's still around. You see him. I mean, he's got a very distinct kind of like handsome leading man thing he looks young still but he just he's a kind of a character actor and so so the last bit that they come together and garrett touched on this earlier there are explosives that line the corridor that connects engineering and the bridge living quarters all that stuff so justin is in there in cryosleep and miller says stark and cooper go up there i'm blowing this fucker apart and we're going to drift off into space. He knows he's not going to fucking make it. He's, he's, he's going to go back He realizes there. it's a possibility. Right. Yeah. And so yeah. he grabs one of these explosives, disarms it, grabs the trigger. Well, I, I love I love the last exchange between him and Stark because she says, Miller, and he just turns. And instead of there being a heartfelt thing, he says, you shut this door behind me. And there's nothing else said. Right. There's right. no like tearful, like, I'm not going to, in case I don't make it. Yeah. There's none of that. Like, there's no time to talk about that stuff, and I don't want to put that on you. Exactly. Which I loved that, too. Me, too. Yeah. Like, it doesn't waste any time. He's like, no. No, no he's consistent. Yeah. He's, he's good throughout. Yeah. And this begins, like, the, the there's, a, there's like a... One of three a, endings, yeah. Yeah, so, right, one thing that we just missed mentioning here is right at their culmination of their confrontation that they just had Stark, Miller, Cooper, and Dr. Weir is he started the gateway opening, which is a 10-minute timer. Uh, right before they end up blasting the window open. Uh, and that's why Miller is racing to get back to the engineering deck to blow up the engine and everything. And so this is the this is the thing that I wanted to mention earlier when we were talking about the scale of the ship and everything. Mm-hmm. It's going to take him 10 fucking minutes to run down that corridor. That is massive. That is a <laughs> massive ship. And it's been a few minutes already fucking around in the bridge with the, with the, with the vacuum of space. It's like, there's no way he's no, making it. He's, it's already open. He's doomed either way. It's already, yeah, it's already open. He's dead. He won't even get there in time to light this fucking bomb. I, I think I think the, the conceit there, though, is that with the way Weir is coming back and moving around, if he doesn't manually do it while he's in the room, it's sort of like, maybe he can just manifest in there. Like, what are the rules here? Because even while they're right. in there, the ship is interacting with them. It's bl- blood. It's going full shining. Yeah. Blood is just spilling out of things. Mm-hmm. I showed you that deleted scene. Weir is like spider walking down. Like he's in multiple places at once or something because it can take on when Miller first goes in there, it's the burning man. He's interacting with the Burning Man, and while that's happening, you're seeing the weird stuff where he's spider-walking down stairwells and all that stuff after Stark and Cooper. Yeah. So that's that's the stuff they cut out, and it's really good. There's a lot more blood in these scenes. It's You see a little bit in the regular version. I just thought it was so funny that there's this like seemingly arbitrary time limit. Like, why does... Why earlier in the ship's log, when we see that the gateway is open, they basically flip a switch and it's open. But now, when Weir wants to open it, it's a ten-minute timer. This just seems so like why? Why does? Why did that need to be set up that way? He won't even make it anyway. Why is it evil rules? There has to be a countdown. Ha- yeah, it's like why? Why is there even a countdown? Why isn't it just that Weir had to get there to open the gateway manually or something like that? Why? Yeah. Why the need for any of this bullshit? It is a cool scene. I mean, it is like a final confrontation with the bad guy because the Burning Man appears. There's a run from fire scene. Uh, Fishburne said that when he runs through the meat grinder hallway, that everyone hated that set because it would 
discombobulate you. Yeah. He would run and like trip and almost twist It'd his ankle. It'd make you feel like you were losing your balance. Correct. Huh. Yeah. It was dizzying. And he's like, I-, I had to do that take like 13 times. And he said, there were seriously times where I was like, can we get a stunt double? Because I feel like if I break my leg here, we're fucked because I want to fall every time. And he, he had to just run and run and run through that thing. So he jumps yeah. through the door that's shutting and he ends he up gets in the into engineering, chamber. like in the actual engine Which room. Which yeah. to, to Miller, it's kind of like, good, focus on me. Focus on me. Like, I know I'm dead. I accept that. Like, it's not a big deal. They can I've escape. I've got the trigger in my hand. Yep. And then he has the final confrontation with the burning man that turns into Weir. And then there's a, lo- a lot of cool shit said Wait, Should we by establish Weir. what that was, the burning man, that there was a crew member yeah. that he it was yeah. the one yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. yeah, Whatever his name was, it. yeah. Uh, and then basically he, he, he says something to the effect of, I know you're not the burning man. I know you're not that like that man would have ever said these things. The sentiment wasn't there, even though I abandoned him and he turns into Weir, who's gone full, like he has eyes again, but he's full Cenobite mode. I mean, he's got, yeah, he's got scars. Yeah. uh, Basically. Basically. Yeah. And they, they have some cool lines like, um, the ship went to hell and you can't, it, can't, it brought it back with it. And uh, Weir says, It was says, a normal ship when it went through the gateway yeah. and when it came back, it was alive. I love that Weir says, you know, hell is just a word. Like, don't diminish how evil this fucking thing is. Like, your yeah. idea of hell is something biblical. It's like, it's like an idea that we tell the children. This is pure chaos. Like, this is Lovecraftian. Like, if you so much as lay your eyes on this, you're fucked forever. You're never coming back from this. And I know you talked a little bit about uh, the severity of the flashes of the images that they see on the ship's log and like what they see well, in this chaos realm in this, this, this in this scene this the, is where you see it yeah this is the big stuff I, here I actually kind of felt like it wasn't that bad oh like like the chaos and like this realm of chaos and pure evil and then it goes to show you stuff and i'm like well i've seen plenty of movies that have worse things than that uh, but i think it's I not think, even so much like for me it was less like that it's itself like super gory or hard to watch so it's just like it's like the idea of it and how fast it happens because one minute they're totally fine and then the next minute they're all scrub. covered in blood and fucking each other and yeah, like, and yeah, just, yeah. it's all this insanity so I, going I, on I think but to your point it's, these are scenes it's, in the yeah, original these aren't flashes it's, right, not, it's not a it's, strobe these are scenes exactly yeah. it's the stuff that got cut that I think would have made that seem a lot stronger oh, to me oh it's bad because yeah. <laughs> because like when I saw it I was like alright so there's some barbar and people are screaming alright but yeah. but I, I that's yeah, what they I, showed. Right, that was I understand. Like, Here's that how you like, get an R. Yeah. Like, what? Well, how do we get an R? And it's like three and a half seconds total of this. Yeah. when it's like <laughs> seventeen minutes. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, yeah. Uh, listen, listen. Ser- seriously, much. in Man. case in case I kind of omit the original mention of it, we will do a Patreon thing. If you're a subscriber, we'll go into the other cut of it, and I've got descriptions of the flashes and what what the production was making it because it's fucking. It's something that's akin to Caligula, the making of Caligula, where like porno actors and contortionists were hired for this. Right. BDSM right, right. people were brought in, and it's like these the actors weren't even allowed on set. They shot it on the weekends. So we'll go into all that if you want to subscribe to Patreon and listen to that one bit. It's Mike just, it's will too actually much. get hard during that segment. <laughs> Not, Not a long. chance. <laughs> but, but it's too much to cover on this. He, he has the final <laughs> confrontation with Weir, and I. <laughs> so here it comes this is the part of the movie that i fucking right, didn't like and, and that no, i i don't really have like tear it apart vibes or anything i really enjoyed the movie all yeah. the way up until this point i thought the psycho the, the psychological horror aspect of it was very strong and it was like a slow burn until it like really hit the fan but it was still very grounded in it's like horrific 
style roots for it to only come in the last like five ten minutes of the movie boss fight and it turns into a boss fight with like punch sound effects and hitting a guy with a tube and just shit like that where i was like man this is really fucking weak i was really hoping for something way more like horrific grandiose in the not like scale wise like i don't need a fucking tentacle cthulhu monster to come through the gateway and like start ripping apart the engine room or whatever but it just seemed so like Damn, that's it. Like, I know. You, you punch each other a few times and nothing happens with this basic ass trigger in his hand that you know I, is going to blow I up this do explosive like device. When he kicks Weir, though, or I'm sorry, not kicks Weir, but kicks Miller, and you see him like go through like a lot of bloody water and smash into the back of that thing. Because from that point on, Miller's fucked up. Like his back is yeah. broken. Right, I, right. Yeah. The only, yeah, I, I think like in that, that set piece in general, what is kind of what is wasted is the spikes coming out of the walls are never yes. really used I'm glad and you, you said you're that, just waiting yeah. for them to be used the whole time yeah. the whole time yeah. waiting for that room to well, turn into some kind of something cut they are right? yeah they, if you look in if you pause those scenes they're being used i mean they are but like in the, the impaler. in the yeah. story yeah. Correct. Yeah. Correct. In, in the in the currently like what is happening not just like these psychosis images right. that are being displayed to you but yeah yes that's, that's what was so disappointing to me about the movie because like by the end of it i was like fuck that was a letdown because it turns into whoops whoops yeah but and, at, and le- has, at least that's very brief it, 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 is, is, it is it is thankfully it does this shot it does this shot scream though i was like where is it like it turns into there's this one shot of dr weir like as he goes miller goes to flick the trigger which miller who's been hallucinating this whole time and suffering from trauma and this is the type of like psychosis that leads people to gouge out their own fucking eyes and become an abnormal entity traversing the ship and everything but it can't detect that hey i need to deal with this fucking explosive device but whatever he he goes to throw the trigger and Doctor Weir goes no, and like it does a fucking zoom yeah. out while he throws what, his he, arms. That, that is the, like, like he's got like he's got force lightning. <laughs> <laughs> it's that, so funny. That is yeah. the scene where I'm like, okay, I see how Paul Dummies Anderson. Oh this. man, <laughs> it was it was uh, now I believe it. It was uh, bad. Like he was not let on set until they directed that scene. <laughs> it was <laughs> shadow so directed yeah. by the cinematographer. directed the rest yeah. of this movie. Yeah. He was. Shadow directed it. It was so bad. And when he throws that trigger, I half expected, like, I told you, I half expected, like, three fucking frames to slide right, in at right. once and slot together, like, 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 like the the uh, factory explosion in Enemy of, of the State or whatever, where you see it from, like, nine different angles. Yeah, and it's like, it, why do you yeah. see it from that? Because we shot it with 20, and we thought, like, well, we'll meet it in the middle. We'll show it nine <laughs> times because ain't it cool? Exactly. And then it explodes and. The explosion's cool. Yeah, you, the explosion is yeah, really cool. You, you do see the uh, the fire in Zero G that uh, Miller previously mentions, kind of, sorta. Um, that's it's pretty just that neat. Final, it's just that final confrontation with I the know. two of them is just like, fuck, but this yeah, is wacky let's, shit, let's, let's make a call out, though, to, to dun, dun, the fucking... Oh, yeah, yeah, cue the prodigy end title. Let me make a point, though. fucking Mortal Kombat music. So we have a lot of, like, pretty rough deaths at the end of the movie, you know, especially with DJ. Miller goes to hell. Miller goes to the chaos room. He doesn't die there. He gets the shows the back half of the ship gets sucked in to the like black hole. Yeah. He goes to hell for his crew. Like yeah. 
that's pretty yeah. tough. Yeah, like the, yeah, that's, that's the a, beginning that's an, of his suffering. Right. That's an important note to make is that like the engine room doesn't blow up. Miller no. just blows up the, the corridor bridge. that connects the bridge to the oh, sorry, engineering yeah, yeah, yeah. deck yeah. to save his crew. He gets sucked into this black hole yeah. of hell and chaos to live out the rest of his eternity that's in tough. this realm. Mm. But it does the it does the nightmare uh, wake up scene right yes. at the end of the movie, which was not in the original ending. So, so the three endings were. Miller confronts the Burning Guy only. Weir's not in it anymore. He sucked out. He's gone. He confronts Burning Man. There's, I think there's just a conversation. There's no fight. Mm-hmm. It's just a conversation, and then he blows it up, and I think it's supposed to be pretty decent. Then there's the Weir ending that people seem to like, and then there's the no. <laughs> the, the, the nightmare wake-up thing, and they combined the two. So there's Burning Man and the Weir fight and the ending. So they just took the what they thought were the best parts of all I three. I think I would have preferred the Burning Man ending. I think so. That's yeah. Yeah. The only thing that sucks with the Burning Man ending is the Burning Man delivery is not great. Some of the lines. It's, it's, it's not, yeah, it's not as good as like not Sam. Not as Sam Neill, no. Yeah, not as Sam Neill, but it's just... They could have just had him say all the Burning Man shit. Just like, don't. That would have been nice. I agree with you that it's kind of, the fight seems kind of silly. It's good. And I think I would have preferred something far more psychological, Mm -hmm. like him going through the back of the ship and it just turning into complete hell realm and just seeing all this bullshit insanity and him not even necessarily be able to, to go through with, you know, setting off the bomb. Like he's just, he himself like is you know devolving into an insanity what if he picked up the control when he threw it at one of the spikes (laughs) (laughs) yeah but but yeah i i I felt like that was the the weakest part but it you know it it shows the explosion and the event horizon breaks away uh, saving his crew and then we see stark go through she's waking up out of her pod uh rescue but, crew's or, there. yeah the rescue crew is there and one of them takes off their helmet or and whatever it's and it's weird yeah. and it's and such it, an abrupt ending well it's it's, well, kind, it's a tragic ending kind of because i mean it's yeah, just I, her waking back up and dj being like stark it's okay it's okay we're getting rescued i've got you i've got you and the door just shuts and it's like oh, okay so miller's in hell and stark's fucked forever yeah i, I don't mind that ending i think that one's no it's fine it's got no, some that, kind of weird yeah, it's, uh, it's it's uh, edited oddly but like overall the idea of it's like yeah she's it's carrie's hand coming up to the grave i mean it, yeah it's a jump ending but yeah no fine. one's yeah. like no one's okay after no, that no, no. Yeah. that is there is no sort of like fading out really or like leaving you like with a moment that hangs like it's just immediately like i yes. scream oh you're okay the end prodigy yeah. 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 it ends and then so the other the other side of that though if we bookend it the opening is fucking awesome because it goes straight from no it goes straight from paramount with like the vista in the background, the mountains yeah. up into space through a black hole, and the titles are being sucked into the black hole as we go further through the black hole. And when we go out the other side of the black hole, you see the event horizon first with the cut up guy spinning in zero G, and it's yeah. like, what a cool fucking way to open a movie! Like just and that's when you see Sub Zero and Scorpion <laughs> kicking. <laughs> <laughs> <While> you hear. <laughs> yeah, man. Like, All right, we are going to uh, turn on the gravity drive. You're like, what the fuck? Get over here! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, why, did, why didn't Doctor Weir throw out a fucking uh, dinosaur spear that latches into your chest <laughs> and yank you into the black hole, dude? I will say though that this is probably the base, the best space horror movie since. The original Alien, pure horror. I don't mean like sci-fi horror or whatever, because Aliens is incredible. Don't get me wrong. And some of the other Alien movies are good. But I think since the first Alien from 79, this is the best hard space horror movie. And after this, 
Sunshine, which the back third of that that people seem to hate is Event Horizon. That's what it ends up becoming. I mean, have you seen Sunshine, the Danny Boyle movie? No. That back half, if you ever watch it, which is worth watching anyways, people seem to take a lot of uh, grief with that like back third act. Similar in that it's like a psychological movie. With uh, that, with there's that a burned up man thing. who is an acolyte of the sun and basically is like we're coming after them. It becomes a horror movie because the oh, first two okay. thirds is a hard sci-fi movie and it's great. And then after that is Pandorum, which is basically Dead Space, the movie. And if you haven't seen Pandorum, it's fucking incredible with Ben Foster and Dennis Quaid. Yeah, yeah I've seen it. I really good. I need to see it again because, I mean, it was, I remember when I watched it, I was kind of uh, not terribly impressed. It's great design. I remember the oh, design yeah. of it is phenomenal. But it's I got remember, problems, yes. But I remember feeling kind of bored by it. I, uh, like, I remember not feeling too, like, eh, it's It's kind yeah. of like the descent a little bit. But yeah, it's it's incredible. If you're looking for more things like this, I mean, there's really not many. There's the four of these, and there's basically Sphere. I'll tell and you like what, Leviathan. I would love to see the full cut of this movie, though, because, yeah. I mean, after you, like you say, like, it's it it's one of the better sci-fi horror movies, especially after, yeah, following Alien. But maybe that's my biggest problem with that, is that it's too much like yeah. Alien. It feels like it hits a lot of the same notes. But hey, bet- and, between 97 and 79, there's not many. They even get close. So I'll take it, man. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Appeal I, love, is even, I think it would have felt a lot different with way more of the other content. Well, what, which, what was that saying? Appeal imitation of a filet mignon's a hamburger? And it's like, I like both. It's fine with me. So... Yeah, I, I, I mean, everyone loves the movie. Everyone, I thought yeah, it was solid. I liked the movie. Yeah, other yeah. than the ending, I, thought it was I really mean, other than yeah, the goofy fight and the fact that it does feel a little too much like Alien sometimes. Yeah, but sure. otherwise, like fun, great cast. Everyone's yeah. everyone's great. The characters themselves feel believable. This and... doesn't work without these actors and these characters. It just doesn't nah, work. Yeah. No, yeah. they're yeah, all I think they did great. I think they did but absolutely great. Seriously, if you want to hear more, we're going to record the a Patreon thing about it. It's not going to be super long or anything. What are we at? Two hours now for this? But we will record something about the other cut and the cut content for Event Horizon, if you would like to uh, hear that. So go to patreon.com. That's it. Anyone else got anything? Mortal Kombat! <laughs> wait, wait one, one more thing. How did he make a PG-13 Mortal Kombat two years before this and then make something like Event Horizon in 97? Make a Mortal Kombat movie <laughs> like this, with this gore. It's almost like... It's I'm al- sorry. I mean, it's almost <laughs> like they... Like the scorpion scene or is of that movie, right? It's yeah, almost like you scene, took yeah, that yeah. and then was like, you know what? I got to make something hardcore out of this. That's kind of like I all know. the original. It's like you, after making that, I can see how you went down that road. Yeah, you like, asshole made Resident <laughs> Evil what you made it. Anyways, maybe we'll fucking roll Mortal Kombat for the 11th episode. Everyone good? I'm good. Change God, it. I hope not. Brontosaurus breath. I'm not just a dinosaur. I'm Rocky D, dinosaur extraordinaire. Wow, you eat rocks? Well, certainly not those hard things you find on the ground, but these totally cool new soft and chewy Brock's Rocks candies. Look like rocks, feel like rocks. Hey, they don't taste like rocks. They're green. Yup, five dynamite fruit flavors. Excellent. You can get your rocks from Brock's. Brock's Rocks. Now, we're rocking with Brock's Rocks. Not the mama. You do that one more time, and I'm gonna throw you across the room. So I type in what to find it? Rule thirty-four, dinosaur grandma. 
Yeah, with oh, baby edition. Are we record- oh, shit, okay. Uh, oh, okay, we're back. Uh, we're covering dinosaurs uh, from 1991 to 1994. Specifically um, the last episode. Yeah, which good because event horizons kind of bleak and fucked up and heavy so um tell us about this episode garrett <laughs> hey guys so this is this episode first of all if you haven't seen dinosaurs um it's a fever dream of a children's show from the 90s uh it is uh basically roseanne with dinosaurs yes. um featuring the same flannels that dan wears yeah exactly um yeah. With no laugh track, they did do one episode with laugh track, but it didn't work out, so they don't have a laugh track. But it's it's just a sitcom with like animatronic Jim Henson suits and uh, for di- yeah puppets, and they're it. You can find some like behind the scenes stuff on on those yeah I those suits some. and man, it's man they really, are they are complicated. It's they crazy. are extremely man. complicated. Very expressive. <laughs> Yeah, uh, hats off to whoever's like controlling that and manipulating that. Well, it was like that. it was it was two actors for every single character, right? There two was or three. three. There was yeah. a person yeah, that, inside well, the they suit. They had like I think three main suit actors, probably more, but three of them kind of swapped out. I watched one short documentary uh, yeah. about the covering just kind of a little bit of everything, and there was one interview with both of the actors who played. Is it what's what's the lead? Is it Edgar? What's his, the main character's name? Oh, yeah, the, Edgar, the or Edgar, Edward, Ed, or Edgar. I think it's. Is it Edgar? I think it's Edgar. Sinclair. No, something yeah. like that. So yeah, uh, Sinclair. Uh, yeah, Ed, Ed Sinclair. I forgot the name of the critic, and I love that show. Earl, Earl, Earl Sinclair. Earl. 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 Okay. Earl. So yeah. it's two different people that play Earl, and I think it's the same yeah. where most of the the characters, yeah. where there's a person inside the suit, and they're doing just all of the body action, and then there's a whole nother actor just doing the facial expressions on the animatronic head. Yeah, because they're, they're very complicated. There's a lot of yeah. like synergy yeah, going on with the, the performances. Yeah, the actor that's inside the suit said they, they can't really see real, very well because they only yeah. can see like through the mouths or something right. like that. So and it's very so they, hard to move. Very hard to move. So very you hard learn to your see. marks and you go point yeah, A to point like B. Yeah, like they just yeah. rehearse the yeah. scenes. They and figure like, out exactly where they're supposed to be. So the uh, I, when you when I was looking at some of those behind the scenes of like how they work, uh, particularly for the guy in like T Rex suit, they got really up in his face, and he's um he's got like a cam uh, like two monitors in his suit that he can look through, and one of them shows him what the camera is seeing, and the other one is. Uh, showing him what a small camera that's like right in between the puppet's eyes um, and it shows oh. that feed so he can see like a point of view of that and he can see the camera feed so he knows where he's at in his mark that's interesting yeah huh. so that's huh. kind of how the guy in the in that suit is handling it so um, what are the details about this episode in so, particular i mean this show is just like a, it's a family uh of dinosaurs it's sitcom with them uh typical 90s sitcom yeah it it's always like very wacky they do sometimes uh it's not a henson show but he does have some involvement it was uh, it was he, it was he a, wrote it it was his it, it concept, was a story right? idea yes. yeah he wrote it. it was his concept and i think he was working on like scripts for it when he died probably i think is what i read and uh <clears throat> it's and uh, usually in his stuff there is some sort of like uh actually decent moral lesson that it it imparts that you wouldn't normally get in other children's shows and this this is no different from that right. this the last episode they go a little before we cover hard. the dark part of that i will say this i had never really watched the show before like of course i knew of it was familiar with the characters knew that not the mama not the mama thing that everybody knows but i'd never actually just sat and watched an episode before i assumed it was just a regular sitcom because that's the way it presents itself like any 90s sitcom it's like 
yeah, like Roseanne, or it's like The Simpsons, or like it's yeah, just a three family, or four set nuclear pieces. family. Yeah. yeah, three or four set pieces, and it's just their hygiene, their day to day life. And I watched the so I watched the first episode and I watched the very last yeah, episode. That's a good. And way it to do is it. a stark contrast because I didn't understand until watching the la- the last episode really that the show is actually a satire because it doesn't really present itself that way at first, and I didn't get it. Because he, the husband, the Earl is like he's kind of just an asshole. He treats everyone in his family like shit. Like they're and they're all like hitting him up for money, and he doesn't want to give anyone money. This is in the first episode. Yeah. And then he's you know talking. The kids are like getting older, and he's happy to finally have his time back. And then baby comes into the picture, and it just has this weird feel of it of like, is this supposed to be funny? Like because I feel like none of the jokes are landing, and he's just kind of a dick and everybody comes across as kind of a caricature more than like a real believable character. But then the last episode, which we'll go into then it suddenly started to dawn on me. It's like, very okay, obvious what this they're doing is, with yeah, that. Now I get it. This is supposed to be poking fun at just Americans in general, American yeah, way of life. Archetype yeah. commentary. Yeah. Exactly. So yeah. Th- this episode, um, uh, you know, he works similar to Homer. He works for a an industrial company. Yeah, that, it's got uh, his fingers cut up in every pie. Yeah, basically, that's yeah. just completely greed, shit, greedy, um, and affects the environment. And so, th- this is a very environmental heavy episode. And that every year, there's these uh, things called the uh, bunch, the bunch beetles. beetles. Yeah. That. Uh, they all come in, and it's a very beautiful display. Everyone watches them, and then they come in, and then they eat these uh, these like vines that are growing. Cider poppies. Yeah, the, yeah, the cider episode poppies. opens with like the news anchor talking about the story. Right? Yeah, they're, they're like, waiting for the bunch beetles right. to yeah, arrive. Yeah, they're like grilling yeah. out or something, yeah. and they're like, yeah. "Today is the bunch beetles returning to the area and Balance they're going to eat with these nature vines. and with the environment and all that stuff." Yeah, they like, right. they, it's great that they come because they also eat all these cider poppies it's we don't an, want. Yeah, it's an invasive plant species essentially that. They take care of by naturally migrating. Yeah. Over. Yeah. Yeah, and then uh, and the I, bunch I, beetles don't show up. I do love the news anchor's name, Howard yeah, Hand uh, Up Me. Hand yeah, up me. Howard yeah. Hand yeah. Up Me. <laughs> Which, if you Google that, you get a lot of other stuff. Yeah. Can you Google Rule Thirty Four after that? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, hang on. So, the pen. But yeah, so, so the bunch beetle beetles don't yeah. show up, and they're like, "Oh well, I'm sure they'll show up eventually." And then they they do have this like little nice little puppet in the background of the uh, of the cider poppies, just like wrapping its its little tendrils around a chair and pulling it uh, yeah. towards. It's kind of you know they it's fun. And then uh, as the episode goes onwards. Um, one you come to find out that the bunch beetles don't come, but the reason that they don't come yeah. is because there was a... Yeah, there was a... One, well, one of the bunch beetles does show up. One mm-hmm. bunch beetle who is like One bunch beetle shows up, and it's the daughter, right? A Charlene. Is it Charlene, I think her name is? It's Charlene or Judy. Something like that. Anyway, yeah, like the, the bunch beetle like leads yeah, her Charlene. over to where their mating ground is supposed to be. Yeah, and she ta- she takes him there, and he's uh, you know the whole time he's he's always hitting on the daughter, and this is uh, which is I, really weird. It is a little weird. <laughs> yeah. Because and the bunch beetle is like obviously the Danny DeVito age of bunch beetles, yeah. and, and he, the daughter is what like sixteen. He's like sixteen. He's yeah. dinosaur. Like, he's really little too. Yeah, he's very tiny, yeah. and she's like a big dinosaur. But if you Google uh, image, <laughs> 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 all right, and I'll you stop. gotta figure out how that works. Um, <laughs> 
Yeah, but she takes them to where the breeding grounds are supposed to be as a swamp, which is when they get there no longer there and at this point like the cider poppies are everywhere it's become a nuisance for everyone but that the swamp is no longer there and it's now this wax fruit factory the most like arbitrary go. bullshit like yeah. who needs this yeah it, it, no point bullshit. to it being there but it has eliminated <laughs> the species and caused this invasive plant species to go unchecked right correct and so now they have an issue and uh uh, Charlene and the bunch of people go on the news and start, you know, kind of raising hell. And this is where I, I would definitely draw a parallel from uh, with Charlene, Charlene to uh, Lisa. Sure, Simpson, yeah. And, you know, it, this this family is probably more Simpsons than uh, Roseanne. Maybe a cross yeah. between yeah. the two. Yeah. Especially even the he's not in this episode a whole lot, but the son is like yeah, yeah, very much. Uh, a, he's, a, yeah. he's a Bart. Yeah, kind yeah. of. Yeah. Um, it's like not only do they have similar characteristics, but also just because they're supposed to be kind of caricatures. Yeah, a character, a satire. Yeah. Yes. Like it's about yeah, that, that, that yeah. Earl is like the blue collar, like conservatives, you know, like yeah. right. yeah. kind of ignorance, you know, like, no, we don't need advents with anything. Like, we got to stick to the old ways. And it, it sort of touches on, I guess, like the nuclear family. And this episode really brings home the whole, like, that's a doomed idea if you keep up this thing. You have to progress. You have to change things. And well, this, he, which, well, he does a, argue for progression, yeah, he, but in a backwards way. In a backwards in, way, in, right. From a technology standpoint, yes. He, he's like, if it comes at the expense of nature, the environment, climate, etc., then it's okay, because right. now I we have microwaveable toast. Yeah, right. so, like if we right. kill a few species here and there, yeah. then, you know, so it's what, fine. Right. Right. So what the yeah. spotted owl is gone. They'll, they'll, they'll come back. More yeah. will show up. Um, so we'll, we'll get into where this episode really starts to kind of go in a different direction after this right. news uh, segment. So the bunch beetle and Lisa. Yeah, they're, they're, <laughs> they're, they're on, on the news saying this is bad yeah. for the environment. They got to stop this. We need to change course or something. And watching the news is Earl's boss, who this puppet, even when I was a child watching this show, the puppet always like made me so nervous just the way his mouth flaps he's constantly. a great yeah. puppet yeah he, puppet. cigar chomping like triceratops <laughs> yes. and that fills the entire frame of the screen yeah. i don't yeah. think he's ever been at, i think the entire show he's always behind that always desk. Desk. i don't think he was in yeah. it ever I'm in sure, another yeah. set um but yeah he's just like always there cigar chomping and he's like oh this is really bad pr but he's on the phone with his big bosses and, and earl uh comes on the tv to interrupt the news segment and start saying no this is all the wax fruit is great there's nothing wrong with this and so his boss is like i think i found an idiot that we can that's my get, guy that can be our fall guy right. and yeah. get to do all these uh you know course correction pr stuff uh and for so us. there's basically two big moments that happen past that but the first one being that they got to get rid of the invasive plant species and to open up the swamp for the bunch beetles to come back through is not the solution the industry like a head honcho comes up with they decide let's just spray the entire planet with chemicals yeah. to kill the pop. i do love that just line that Earl says about it. he's like we can't we can't get rid of the wax fruit company like that's important we need yeah. that yeah. Foundational <laughs> thing. Yeah. so they, they spray the pesticide and it kills every bit of vegetation on the planet and uh they're just like well you know how do we get the plants back well we need rain but there's no clouds out, so how do we get clouds? Yeah, well, I also love, like, it. he looks out that out the window at it, and you just see, like, a fucking wasteland <sighs> yeah. out yeah, just there. Yeah, nothing and, left. And, and, like, this 
the show is on like this one community, but they apparently just had to, and that this is like one environment, but still, it, they're talking about the whole planet. They're talking they about Pangea. Yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. 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 I can't even imagine like watching this show for I think it was four seasons. Yeah, four seasons. And, you know, like the various characters and the people that live here. All of a sudden, just like we've wiped out all yeah. life we've, on we've Earth. We've wiped out all food, yeah. and he's like, "Well, we could just eat the toast, right?" And <laughs> yeah. it's like, yeah. "No, there's no, there's nothing." Alive. There's no meat. Well, There's we got no wax nothing. fruit. Everything will Charlene, die. somebody has to finally point out to her, like, you don't understand. Like, without plant life... We, there's nothing yeah. like, right, right. Yeah. there's no nothing, ecosystem yeah, yeah nothing gets made we've disrupted it and so then mm-hmm. they think oh well how do we get the the plants back we got to bring rain and so they think well what brings rain clouds you know first they kick around the idea like what if everyone sprayed their water hoses <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> gee, holy shit never consulting a scientist through this entire episode uh-uh. by the way which no, is just the whole thing brilliant. is being oh. handled by the company that fucked up the right, ecosystem right. to begin with yeah it's all the bp oil spill gurus dealing with it so <laughs> they they decide okay well we need clouds and so they say well volcanoes when they erupt like, bring clouds so earl calls his so boss we'll drop right bombs and yeah, he calls his volcanoes. boss right and he's like uh i think we may have gone a little too far this time sir <laughs> and doesn't the boss says something He's like, he's like, it's it's really simple, and it's like all we have oh, to no, do is this, re- was, this is after they've already yeah. done yeah, it. That's he calls them after they drop the bombs. Yeah. Uh, oh, okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, that's at the end. So I just like, remember the dresser saying something along the lines like, "We'll drop bombs on it. It'll be fine." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's like, got the, he's got him and the T Rex guy in in the office, and uh, he's he's saying, "Well." Uh, and they, they are still voicing the opinions like, "Well, we did kill all the plant life." It's like, "Well, we'll yeah. just make rain." What makes rain? Clouds. What makes clouds? Volcanoes. So we'll drop bombs in all the <laughs> volcanoes. Like, we'll drop bombs in the volcanoes. To make them a This is where the show, if it has yeah. not already gone completely off the rails, now we're just in territory. And so like, you, you, see this, you see this shot of the They're speedrunning extinction. Yeah, yes. Yeah. 80%. And there's, you, see, you see Pangea just spit it around on the earth. And there's just explosions coming off of the land and leading to clouds. But what happens is that the clouds are just fucking acid rain. It's just poison. It's sulfur. And it's nothing but just shit. And they inadvertently usher in an entire ice age. Well, the the plan works so well that the clouds cover so much of the sky. That the logic behind this it covers so much of the sky that the sun is blocked and will be blocked for tens of thousands of years yeah and so that ushers in an ice age and they're sitting there and it goes back to the fucking triceratops guy and he's just like i'm counting money i've got so yeah. much yeah. Yeah. That, that's like, when he's on no- the phone with his boss and he's like i think we went a little far this Everybody time is like it that's the whole like anti-capitalism message there is like it it still it's has so this like heavy. crazy ring yes. yeah so heavy but still like that that real ring of truth to it and like they're like you we fucked up the world but like this is he's like, like that he says something like that's a fourth quarter this problem. is a show yeah, for six, six this yeah. is this is a show for six-year-old right stuff. yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's tackling wrecking the planet in the pursuit of wax fruit 
or say like sales of gloves and mittens are through the roof. It's like yeah, there's not going to be right. a fourth quarter. That's right. He's like he's like we're making more money than we ever have. He's like what are you talking about? He's like we're selling heaters and gloves and like we're making all kinds of profit. All that money doesn't matter when no one's alive, right? And it's yeah, so, but that's a fourth quarter problem. And that's that's yeah. essentially the entire episode, and it's so bleak. Because it ends the fucking series yeah. just panning out oh, yeah. as like and particularly bleak because the last moments are with Baby because Baby is starting to realize that this is very serious and they're all crump- comforting Baby. They're like, it's oh, okay, yeah. we're gonna all yeah. be together. Yeah, we'll be together. No they're all freezing to death. Yeah, they're all freezing and like the last scene is when it gets really just grim for this. The whole the whole episode is mostly just pretty wacky sitcom until like this scene where Earl is like explaining to his family that you know I I learned something today and you can't do this you can't do it you can't you know just forget about the environment you need stuff to live for there to be life blah 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 and like the whole family is you know consoling each other and then yeah the baby's like well where are we gonna go and he's like well there's nowhere to go but you know what's gonna happen like it's not like there's not gonna be any more dinosaurs Right. Well, well, they, well, they say <laughs> yeah. that we've been around for 65 million years. Surely we'll figure something out here. Right. And yeah. I, I, you think this is like a big middle finger to the studio execs, whoever ran this, for canceling them? Like they knew they I were being canceled? So. I think or, I don't, so. It's I, funny I, that you bring that up because this is another point I was going to make. I'm glad that I watched the first episode before this because I think this was always the intention. Okay. It's like it's because it's definitely a satire, yeah. like you said, about just sort of not just American life, but capitalism in general and like our way of yeah, life our, and how culture. Yeah, it's a yeah, doomed yeah. culture. And like, cause the very first thing that happens in the very first episode is it's, it starts on a tight shot of the TV and the news anchor again, Howard hands at me. Yeah. And the very first thing he says is to like this, he says, breaking news. There is a meteorite the size of the earth headed straight for us. And it's going to kill us all. And then this paper slides across his desk and he looks at it and he goes, this just in. No, it isn't. And that's this how the series begins. Yeah. So it immediately wow. puts that out there that like they're gonna doom themselves. It's right. not gonna this be a natural not, disaster. This is not a natural disaster. Right. Yeah. And I, I don't think this show was canceled. Really, I think okay. that was like its end. Yeah, it but was it's, always um, gonna be kind of a sad ending. It's such a. Yeah. It's it's so weird because like yeah, it starts out it's bright and there's like vegetation everywhere, and then halfway through the episode it's like barren wasteland, and then it's essentially nuclear fallout ice age winter happening and the shot just fucking zooms out and fades to black and the fucking the credits roll is just getting covered in snow yeah. and, and like, it's just over whoa. it's like yeah they all yeah. died in that home under snowfall and they're all just buried alive together yeah that's how it ends that's oh, that the end ends. of this uh, it kind of reminded me of little like kid a, don't look up and that kind of that similar yeah. ending of just like they all just kind of the accept table. they're like yeah we fucked up well I guess this is it and just kind well, of it's yeah, so weird that it goes to together. the credits you see the mailbox and the house covered in snow and it's outside the window and it's like I'm sitting there watching that going is there something else is, right, that, is are they, they going to show the family and <laughs> yeah. it's like nope it cuts to black there yeah, they like, had that one little bit right before the end yeah. where the news anchor comes on yeah they use that the news anchor which i was always like yeah. a bookend for that show and yeah. like it's that's what's really bleak where he's just like you know it's always kind of a cheery thing with him ending but no he's it's just dark his lights are off he's frozen he's freezing and then he's just like good night goodbye goodbye um, yeah. Yeah. there's no the show end literally, in sight the show literally begins and ends with that guy yeah 
and also like this when this came out i believe it was like when it initially aired this this was not aired as the series finale it was it is the series finale but it was aired like the seventh episode oh wow like they they fucked up they fucked up the episode air date air date so like okay. yeah it it, Wait, it was very strange. The, of the fourth season? Yeah, of the fourth season. Okay, so they just they just cut it short, or they they continued to play the other episodes. Yeah, after yeah, that? They, they just got it got out of order. Uh. It's such it's such a funny little series, though, man. It really like you, you at first glance you're like, oh, I get it. It's Dan. It's it's Roseanne. It's it's nineties. Right, it's just like oh, it's a quirky sitcom with right, dinosaurs. Right, right, yeah. And, and, well, this was headed by the the guy that actually was the showrunner. He was a big. Um, He's the, he was a sitcom guy. He did Charles in Charge, My Two Dads. He did Boy Meets World. Mm-hmm. He did a whole bunch of uh, of shit from the eighties. Like fair, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so so funny that like this one little sitcom though just has so much going into it, like with the fucking puppeteering and all these like animatronics and everything. It's, had to be For the most ambitious. One of the yeah. most ambitious shows ever made, let alone like yeah. now, but just in general. Right. You, I mean, you, you look at something like this and you're like, you imagine the amount of fucking work that goes into that and like all the mastercraft and puppeteering, all that shit. And then you compare it to something like Barney, you know, and you're just like, which holy fuck. Like, it's Jesus, funny that you say that, that because I read dude, something, um, that said that Barney appears as a character in an episode, but he has a slightly different name. It's like Blarney or something like that, but it's a purple dinosaur, and they all poke fun at it. They're like, he's stupid. He doesn't even have anything important to say. He doesn't teach kids anything. <laughs> That's pretty, pretty funny. Yeah. Yeah. Just throwing fucking shade at dinosaurs. Yeah, just, yeah. yeah, hell yeah, man. Yeah, it's something. It's definitely something. It's I mean, a weird it's a lot. little time cast. Yeah, it really it's, it's, it's a much deeper and more like like critical show than I would have ever thought that it was. Yeah, they, mm-hmm. they take yeah. they they take game out a lot of other you know issues uh, mm-hmm. that you wouldn't expect them to. I mean, they apparently honestly. talk about like LGBTQ. They, do. they talk about yeah. racism. They apparently address a lot of social issues, which a lot of sitcoms do. Do yeah, but, but like I think... especially those like slice of life nuclear family ones. You give them enough. Runtime. Eventually, you're gonna have an gonna episode have that's about yeah. like you know or a show it, might even be about that, like right, the neighborhood right, right. Sure, or something. Sure. But like it, that sh- this show in particular, they it's from that that lens specifically. And it's it's so and, funny because of the the position that you you see it from or the 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 perspective is fucking dinosaurs for kids. Like right, it, right. you know, you're like <laughs> yeah. oh what 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 are they gonna do today? Lay eggs? And it's like well they're gonna talk about climate and environmental issues. You know, like, it's like Jesus Christ. I, yeah. I don't know. If, like maybe this is just like the the older person in me talking now like i feel like kid shows are just not like they used to be in terms of like it seems like the, everything talks down to kids now and like they're stupid do you well, know i don't watch saying? many cartoons well i see a lot of cartoons there are kid shows now and they're all just so vapid you know like they don't really have anything important to say like a show like this like it's we're talking about it like we're surprised but at the same time kid shows back then like they did talk about deeper issues they did actually like address a lot of adult things i guess it kind of depends on like what you're watching right like i mean like if you watch i've I've seen plenty of like spongebob episodes or something where it deals with like a real social 
or like societal like issue or something like that along those lines. Uh, or I'm it's about say like friendship all, or something I'm not going to say like they that, all don't. Yeah. I just think kind of like in general, I feel like I get that sense a lot. I guess I just don't really know much of what's out there today. I only know, like, by a comparison of, like, graphically or, like, yeah, you know, like, production-wise. Maybe it's just the people I mean, that I know and what they watch. But Paw it's Patrol all doesn't really it. tackle police brutality like it should. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Not I like mean, it, have you like ever watched an episode of Coco Melon? It is know. the most just... I've only seen the second and third season. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like there's I a I mean, it's a, a show for there. toddlers, all right? So it's not like it, you know, you expect them to be talking about environmentalism, but it... It literally is just like popular songs with different lyrics on repeat and people just walking around in a circle. Well, I mean, that's like, what, that's, that's you know, Door of the Explorer is for like toddlers and stuff, but it still has like, right. I would say it like decent about, messages. Yeah, and, and, and talking about real places and teaching kids different languages. Like there's something to take out of it, you know? This is the opposite of that. It's just to, to put a screen in front of a child so they shut up. Uh, it is, I feel dumber watching it for more than 10 seconds okay all right well that's a nice boomer take anyone else have anything <laughs> that they want? yeah uh, dinosaurs <laughs> is a very good show uh, yeah for... dinosaurs, i'm just fucking with you jesse yeah I, I i just don't have a frame of reference i didn't say but... it i didn't hey listen i didn't say i won't watch it i mean it's you know <laughs> Jesse, like, i literally have all 17 <laughs> seasons of coco melon on my phone right now and the kids are and there not is one character it. i really like you guys gotta watch this one episode just let me show you this one episode <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's it. Uh, you know, I only know in reference to like this sitcom and like uh, ones that we consumed growing up. And you know, I dinosaurs is just weird, I guess, because of like it's it's weird to me in the sense of like imagining the amount of work that went into just fucking filming an episode. Like they could have yeah, made the a, message about anything, yeah. But it's just such a fucking undertaking to like say, oh well, let's just make a twenty minute sitcom episode but it now involves huge scale production because you've got to have three times as many people involved uh yeah like but like dinosaurs i remember uh i watched that a lot as a kid me and my sister both did as uh, so i remember that coming on and it was always like the visuals are very it's just I, I always remember it being just like odd colors and this very smoky haze around everything um, the visuals always suck out to me, kind of in a fever dream type. Especially of way. that intro, because it's really kind of disorienting, because you're not really supposed to tell it's a dinosaur at first, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you see the tree, you got the weird like lights coming through the trees, and the characters on the ground. They're like, "Oh, what's going on?" The little forest creatures, and then I, also, I still do not understand Earl's job. He pushes down trees like that's what he does for a living. Like he's supposed to be some kind of a lumberjack. But that it never really says like what they do with the trees, if anything. Like he just pushes down trees. <laughs> I, I forget. I haven't. I haven't watched enough of the show to remember. And that last episode doesn't really cover exactly what his job duties entail. Uh, but I mean, it's. I guess it makes as much sense as like Fred Flintstone, you something know, something like that. Yeah. Like, but what do you do? Oh, rocks. I just move yeah. rocks from here to here. <laughs> yeah. I guess, and then I'll slide down a dinosaur's tail at the end of the day. It is um, funny watching. And eat a big slab of ribs. Yeah. <laughs> it is funny watching it now, like, you know, in, on a 4K blown up television and looking at those 
images and you know, tell oh, yeah. that it's like it it is definitely a sound yeah. stage for and sure the other yeah. uh henson connection the other thing to note is like i know you have you guys grew, uh ex- didn't care for the baby the but the baby is uh it's uh elmo elmo's actor uh, oh, puppeteer and okay. voice actor. Huh. I did watch um, that video of him yeah. getting pissed off. Like, yeah, there's a really, there's a yeah. really funny behind the scenes of where the baby is just, actor is just ha- having a fucking tantrum with <laughs> everybody. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that was actually yeah. pretty. Yeah, when that you sent really us funny. that, that was pretty yeah. funny. Yeah. but I mean, it's like, what, what are you gonna get out of that thing? You know, actually in the show, just going not the mama or whatever. You know, and it's like, there, there, are, doing... there are some episodes where it's got more to do. It like almost talks as much as like Stewie from Family Guy sometimes. Really? Yeah, it's got like a weirdly <laughs> that uh, that to me the baby seems like the most like child insert character possible. To it, like there are I there are other scenes where uh, or other episodes where it does more. Um, the only yeah. people that really have much to do in this episode are Earl and Charlene. Yeah, really. It's funny yeah, that you draw that comparison to Stewie because I think I read too that that was always kind of the intention with Baby is that while Baby's talking to everyone, Baby Pierce is just like, oh, this innocent, poor, helpless little thing. But every once in a while, you'll get this like sort of, of breaking the fourth wall thing of Baby being like, I'm actually really smart and they're all yeah. really dumb, but I'll just let them think that. It's yeah, fine. like I remember seeing this one episode between him and the uh, and the older son that's just like... They're having a full-on conversation about, like, how the older son should handle this complicated issue. And, like, the baby is giving him advice and stuff. And it's... Yeah, it's, it's, it's an actual it like, character. Huh. Um, yeah. yeah, it's it's interesting. Um, as soon as the conversation ends, he just goes, Not to mama, or yeah, some not bullshit not. like and that. He's with a frying pan. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, yeah, and, like, other... Uh, the mother didn't have a whole lot to do in this episode, but she's voiced by Jennifer Walters of Arrested Development and Archer. Really? Yeah. So it's got wow, some. I uh, wouldn't have thought it sounds completely different. Yeah. Okay. She's a lot younger. Um, <laughs> but yeah. So right, when did this wow. air? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> go, go ahead. Some uh, decade. I can't remember the name she of She also just sounds so sweet. You know, yeah, she, she does. doesn't normally sound like that. No, she's she got a gruffer sort of yeah, tone to her voice for sure. Um, but yeah, the, and this episode is just like a fucking such a strange way to end a children's show, a bleak way to end it. But it's also like, well, I guess if you want to end it with the dinosaurs dying, I guess this is the only way to do it. It's almost like you had to be sitting around at some point and basically just going like, this is a quirky, funny sitcom. But we've always known from the beginning this was going to be a doomed ending. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I I remember reading about the the executives didn't want this ending because of it being so dark. And then the the creator was like, well, let me point you to fucking history. Yeah, I'll show you what happens. About what happens? But, there's no way we can avoid it. Yeah. Oh no, yes, you know, but a, there's no dinosaurs here. Yeah, also, right, he gave some interview talking about it not that long ago, where he said like it would have been totally different now because it would have been a hit. People would have seen it and been like, this would have been trending on social media. Yeah, because surprises so hasn't been yeah. like rebooted in some way. Yeah, it seems like I, something that probably would. Uh, I think it's because of the amount of like. Well, I mean, accessory work you're, you're probably right. It, right. I mean, they they uh, revamped the Dark Crystal for like one season, yeah. uh, using which also had like some complicated puppetry, and it was 
really good, but like it only last. They got canceled after the first season because of what you're talking about right, being right, just so like, like complicated. All right, what is the viewership? Expensive. How much did it cost to make? Exactly. Yeah, I think by comparison, yeah. when you can just like what fucking at this point AI generate whatever fucking you I know. know, but it just looks so much more interesting to have. Of like course, a, yeah. It definitely looks unique. I'll tell you that. It yeah, definitely for numbers people. You know? There's to be like, why can't we just make it a cartoon? Yeah. Why do we have to spend right. all this money? I watched so much less of dinosaurs than I did something like fucking Full House growing up. But I remember dinosaurs more vividly. Right. Like I can get I can see yeah. a lot more of its character. Said, like yeah, growing up, like I don't know if I ever watched an entire episode, but I yeah. definitely knew it. Yeah. Knew what it was, recognized the characters, yeah, the set pieces. Yeah. Yeah, cuz you will you will remember that. Yeah. So It was great, man. It was it's a weird weird little thing. It's a yeah, it's a a neat little time capsule for sure. Um I I enjoy talking about that episode cuz it's just it's a strange it's a show that's like everybody should watch for sure some that episode if anything yeah or just like i'm sure there are better episodes you know yeah not Um, because of the message or anything but more so just because of how it ends is so like right like that's it it's like fuck that's the end of the series it's like damn okay it'd be like like a fucking you know the simpsons ending it's like yeah well what happened well homer killed his family yeah i mean some (laughs) some series for some sitcom series sometimes just have like a sad ending it is very much like yeah yeah, it's it kind of feels like the creators are just sad it's ending and yeah they always they always wanted it to be that way because it was a satire from the beginning about how it's Mm -hmm. all doomed culture so it's it's kind of like they they always had that intention yeah and it doesn't change how bleak it feels in the very end but sure yeah that's the idea all right boys that's dinosaurs specifically the last episode it's a fun little fun fun little uh a walk through whatever the fuck kind of <laughs> mind, like creative yeah. mind that brings us together fucking you know dinosaurs and jeans but, or, <laughs> or, but they don't wear pants right it's all no, like upper body stuff yeah they all they're all just they're wearing like jackets sh- and shirts they're all shirt cocking yeah it. yeah dicks God, are out in they this did show constantly i wonder if they originally were supposed to wear pants but they decided it's, it's, too, be a no, it's too i heavy. think the i think the sun wears pants does he? Does he? Yeah, yeah he wears a jacket in it, right? Yeah, I know he wears, wears the Letterman. Maybe. Yeah. I don't remember anyone wearing it. fucking pants in this. Oh, yeah, just like, I can see it being part of the original <laughs> design. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Change, change it. Change, 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 it. change it. Mighty Max, Mighty Max. It's Mighty Max. Welcome to Skull Dungeon. Wow. Mighty Max. And I would do anything for love. I'd run right into hell and back. I would do anything for love. (laughs) I'll never lie to you, and that's a fact. I hate music. <laughs> but I'll never forget. Oh, I'm skipping that part. How the song goes. Yeah, I'll, I'll forget how I was. <laughs> you know what? I would do anything for love, boys. 
but I won't do that. We normally make fun of him on this shit, but that yeah, was let's actually turn it really bad. Let's turn it to <laughs> a duet let me, here. Let me take it. Here, let me give you some help. Let me give you some help. That was like the first time I played it, so... Here, let me give you some help there, Gary. I actually think you did a pretty good job. I would do anything for love, and I would most certainly do that. No? Garrett, go ahead and keep, keep playing. I don't want to do the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You, 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 can, can we do a, a take two? Yeah. yeah. All right, okay. I think we should. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. This is the closer, by the way. <laughs> yeah, this is, uh, this of is our friendship. <laughs> <laughs> this is the last episode we're ever recording. Uh, it's good Patreon content, some outtakes. How about that? Yeah, that's good. Yeah, that's yeah we could do a best of outtakes thing. Yeah, sure. Why not? You're gonna have a lot of unsubscribers, real quick. Yeah. <laughs> and I would do anything for love. I'd run right into hell and back. <laughs> no, this is good. I, I think we're there. <laughs> you, you already sound like a Dracula. It's good. Yeah, go ahead. I would do anything for. Better fingers, <laughs> an ear for for fucking rhythm. <laughs> All right, I'm done. No, do it, just do it. No, that was beautiful. I would do anything for love. I'd run right into hell and back. I would do anything for love. I'd never lie to you, and that's a fact. But I'll never forget the way you feel right now. Oh, no. No way. I would do anything for love. But I won't do that. Oh, no. <laughs> I won't There's the punctuation. Will you raise me up or will you help me down? Will you get me out of this godforsaken town? Will you cater to every fantasy I got? Will you hose me down with holy water if I get too hot? And he goes, Yes, I can do that. <laughs> oh, I so can, exasperated. I can, I can do that. I just got out of his coffin fresh. That was that was good, Garrett. I like that. That wasn't bad. Thanks yeah. for the backup, Jesse. You're welcome, man. I yeah. You're, Some, a, real, you're so, a true friend. Somebody had to step in. Yeah, yeah. I appreciate it. Yeah. I, I was the, the bell to your beast there. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> Funny you should say that. How topical. How topical. What's this video about, Jesse? This is I'd Do Anything for Love, But I Won't Do That by Michael Leaday, a.k.a. Meatloaf, who actually just passed away over a year ago in January of 2022. So, interesting enough that we're R.I.P. Loaf. R.I.P. Loaf. A music music video released in 1993, directed by epic film director and Mr. Transformer himself, Michael Bay. Originally to be directed by more psychological thriller director David Fincher, who did actually eventually work with him in Fight Club later in 1999. And uh, he was one of the uh, Fight Club members. Meatloaf was yeah, cinematographer, big titted Bob. Yeah, cinematographer uh, Daniel Pearl, most notably known for 
Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yep. Really? Yeah. That's what you were going to tell me. Okay. Yep. I did not know that. So for, for the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the 74 one. Yeah. What he's, else qu- he's quoted as saying, too, that this particular project was a real gem for him, that he feels like it's one of the most pure things he'd ever worked on. It's a, I mean, it's a really well shot video. Yeah. yeah. It's incredible. For sure. I mean, honestly, and I'm noticing a trend here, and I want to talk about that a little bit at some point in this conversation, but all of these music videos from this period, it's like post MTV, you know era of music videos like the production value is just blowing up and they're getting all these big time directors working on all of it's these. not until the late 90s I mean, it falls apart yeah yeah but i mean it's it's really a thing right now and you can tell they're all fantastic the yeah. the direction of this is great the, the yeah the cinematography is incredible it's a great set and the only thing um, that's really michael bay-esque in the video is the opening with the helicopters and the heat lines and the the motorcycle riding away that's really the only thing that's like, there's a signature Michael Bay thing. Right, yeah. I mean, the crazy action sequence and blasting through the wall yeah. and everything. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but these these were big productions. I mean, they were a lot. I mean, uh, the reason that Fincher left the project was because he originally wanted to do it on a budget of about one and a half million, and the studio said no, and Michael Bay agreed to do it for 750000 He also directed every other one of uh, Meatloaf's music videos from the same album, uh, from Bad Out of Hell. Uh, Well, he did the Objects in the Rearview Mirror, a bit closer than they are and all that. Yeah, Mm -hmm. he did like three Meatloaf videos before he did Bad Boys. Yeah. Uh, The song was Meatloaf's one and only number one single on the Billboard Top 100 chart. It was released earlier that year, and it also earned him a Grammy for Best uh, Solo Rock Vocal Performance. The woman in the song, credited as Miss Loud, uh, turned out to be Lorraine Crosby, who uh, later released her own solo album by the same name in 2008. And I think she's also known for a few other things. Wait, so the done. lady in the video is not It's not the her. same woman. No. Right, she's lip syncing. Yeah. She's lip syncing. That is actress Dana Patrick, who, uh, from what I understand, is more or less retired from the industry. And She's really few, pretty. She's, yeah, very pretty. Yeah. Didn't do a whole lot of other things, though. I've looked a little bit at her, her filmography work, and she hasn't done a whole lot. But, uh, yeah, she's a gorgeous woman, and... She was apparently offered her own record deal as a result of the music video because people didn't, the other labels didn't realize at the time that she was just lip syncing. I mean, the lip syncing is pretty spot on. I mean, yeah, she does a really good job. Yeah, but yeah, that is definitely not her voice as another artist. Um, Monster in the video is, of course, played by The Loaf himself, and his makeup was done by Bob Keane. It took about two hours to apply. And they shot this video in like 95 plus degree heat every day for like a week. So it was a pretty intense production. Uh, Concept is based off of Beauty and the Beast and Fan of the Opera. Tells a story of grotesque figure on the run for some unknown reason by police. He discovers a woman by a fountain. She notices him and follows him back to his lair. They meet, they sing together, they run from the law. And then he turns into a normal-looking man, and they ride off into the sunset. Forget uh, a normal-looking man. You want to? <laughs> well, he turns back into meatloaf. Turns back he, into meatloaf. He turns back so, into a guy who's justifiably named Meatloaf. <laughs> this uh, every time it shows Meatloaf, he's like in this uh, beast, uh, Beauty and the Beast makeup yeah, he's stuff, in this and he's makeup. always singing and was like makeup. <laughs> He's that, that, that's him in the time. morning. That's what, what before he puts on the makeup. Yeah, the the yeah. meatloaf normal thing is the makeup. It's like when Jack Nicholson and Batman gets the water thrown on him, and then you realize that the actual Joker look is his real look. <laughs> it's his yeah. actual skin. Yeah, yeah, he's he's not a not a handsome man. So there's definitely those sort of parodies there of Beauty and the Beast, fan of the opera. It's, Dracula. It's a story of forbidden love and a societal outcast being seen for what they really are and love despite pressure from outside forces coercing them not to. 
So there's a lot to unpack in this video. There's a lot that happens. It's a it's a, unlike a lot of other music videos. It's a story that happens from beginning to end, and you know it's very direct in the way that it's shot. Uh, it opens with these lyrics across the screen that say, "I have traveled across the universe through the years to find her. Sometimes going all the way is just a start." And then it immediately cuts into these hard guitar riffs and sounds of motorcycle engines, squealing tires. There's all these fast cuts of a chase happening. There's cars following a motorcycle and a helicopter flying around. And this is all happening at sunset. And then it cuts to um, the chase ending at a mausoleum in a cemetery. And the, the set gets a lot darker. It goes more into night. There's fog everywhere. And the next thing we know, the there's a grotesque face. <laughs> Who's that? <laughs> yeah, go, ahead. go ahead, Mike. <laughs> and he starts singing. He's inside the mausoleum. And we see all these searchlights looking for him. Mm-hmm. Right as that piano drops. Uh, that's when his motorcycle crashes through the wall. Which, and he but, knocks these police. I have a, I have a question. Down. Okay. Is the motorcycle bursting through the wall supposed to be a Rocky Horror Picture Show Eddie reference? Because he plays Eddie in Rocky Horror, and he bursts through a wall on a motorcycle. Mm. Do you think that they're trying to do something with that? Maybe. I mean, I didn't even really put that together, actually. Yeah, so I, don't, I, don't, I can't really yeah. tell. I mean, it's weird that a guy named Meatloaf bursts through two walls within 15 years of each other as a monster man on a motorcycle. I mean, Meatloaf. it's a weird cut there too because he's not. It doesn't look like he's on the motorcycle either. He's, he's on like it. hiding and hiding in the mausoleum, and then all of a sudden he just bursts through the wall. Yeah, he bursts and, through the wall, and the cop shoots the chandelier that's in the ma- the mausoleum chandelier down. <laughs> yeah, which there's a chandelier in the mausoleum. For kills some one of the cops because you just see yeah, like a flicker of blood. Yeah, you see the flicker of blood and like his hand on the ground, yeah. and then uh, the, later on they come back there and it looks like the body is still there. Right now, so. he, now he's a cop killer. Not really, but I mean, by yeah, incidents. not really. But it looks like yeah, he is. Right. Yeah. So there's that whole story. We don't know why he was on the run already, but presumably mm. for something else that he probably didn't do or. You know, just he, he's, a, he's a, a monster. Yeah, he's, he's a, a monster. monster. Yeah, that's not. He's, <laughs> yeah. he's a he's meatloaf. He's a he's, meatloaf. <laughs> he's a he's a monster and he's meatloaf. Take your take your pick. <laughs> yeah, which one do you think he's being chased for? Now, listen, it could be it could be either. For some of the younger they're, listeners, they're trying out to there. get from the back scene, and he's like, no. <laughs> for some of the younger listeners who aren't familiar with meatloaf, the off chance of that, which is slim. Don't picture like a grandma's meatloaf that's like lovingly put together with three pounds of ground beef and two of Italian sausage. And then you take molasses and coat the pan on the top with it. This is more of a Stouffer's family meal meatloaf that has like a tomato sauce on top, ice in the middle, and then more watery ketchup squeezed on top of it. That's what meatloaf looks like in this. And then he's also a monster. And then his makeup is that meatloaf left in the hot sun all day. (laughs) (laughs) It's 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 like a hat on a hat, but a meatloaf on a meatloaf. Loaf upon loaf. Uh, So after he crashes through the mausoleum and the cop kills himself with the chandelier. Dalton finally says something. (laughs) That's what we see. I hate music. (laughs) (laughs) Nah, this song's good. Go ahead. Uh, 
Uh, that's funny that you should say that. You know, the monster in the video, he doesn't like anything either except this woman that he finds in the woods. Gross. Uh, <laughs> I felt the same way till I found Garrett. Yeah, that, there's actually a part where Meatloaf goes in the beginning of the video, I hate music. I hate music. <laughs> he, he's actually on the run from the cops because he yelled outside of a, a courthouse, I... It's just sound. <laughs> That's all it is. It's just sound. Yeah, he, he says, I don't like Bohemian Rhapsody. And they just chased him. <laughs> I actually don't. It's funny you say that because I ranked this song up there with Bohemian Rhapsody and Space Oddity. Because it's, yeah, it's, it's like got, it's, eight minutes long and it goes through like three different it's long, structures. It's, it's extremely well composed and orchestral. It tells um, a story. Yeah, and it tells like, a story. Yeah, and so. it changes. It like it changes that. every three and a half minutes or something. It's a rock opera. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. It's a rock opera. Uh, so the next thing we know, we see the meatloaf monster running through the woods and it's got this like dark setting and then he stumbles upon a woman who's sitting in a fountain and it's kind of unclear what she's doing like is she bathing is she washing her hair like you don't really get that good of a look at it but the scene suddenly changes it becomes bright and warm and he's watching her from in the woods he's peeping he's peeping and then he's she... meat peeping <laughs> <laughs> meat loves caught his meatloaf. that was an well, epiphany <laughs> he, he pulls up on her in the fountain and he falls in love because she's actually sitting there in the fountain going it's just it's just, <laughs> someone, hey, someone, someone just did a spit take because they went Dalton's here. <laughs> uh, so anyway, uh, she notices him watching her from the woods, and instead of getting creeped out, she actually goes over to him and he runs away and he leaves this little medallion. Yeah, she falls in love. <laughs> nice, nice. Thanks. I feel like I got three more. Go on, go. On. Yeah. yeah, it took way too long. Spare him out a little that. bit, Mike, so you don't run out. Okay. Uh, he leaves a medallion like on the tree for her, which she finds, and then we see more shots. He drops it. Yeah, he drops it. Well, it kind of looks like he leaves it there intentionally. It's kind of. Well, I don't think he big. wants her to know that that he's peeping. I think that. He, well, he, she kind of looks that way. I mean, he sees that she it. notices him. That's why yeah. he leaves. But then it kind of shows him like it, he kind of like leaves. I don't know. It's vague. Oh, what's that but... behind the bush? Grimace. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's not subtle. No, it's not so. Like, how can you be? I mean, well, I mean he pulls up in his sun. blue charger, and that kind of gets <laughs> yeah. it away. Right? Well, it is rumbling good, yes. So anyway, there's more shots of them running for the woods. He's running from her. She's chasing after him. And then the next thing we know, he's inside of what we presume to be like his mansion. His lair. His lair. Yeah. He's sitting yeah. in a chair. Actually, Milo's house. His actual I house. I love how like a SWAT team chases him into a crypt on like a phantom motorcycle. And then after that, they're like, where the fuck did this guy go? And it's like, well, surely not the abandoned cobweb <laughs> manor I mean, not the giant no, manor that no that's 30 minutes away from here not that too obvious we yeah. can't chase him there because there's not enough chandeliers to shoot down <laughs> so oh if they bring their shotguns in there with that many chandeliers that whole task force is done right it's, he had a helicopter on him and they followed him to a mausoleum but you don't know where he went after yeah. he crashed through the mm -hmm. wall well, it's anyway. weird because like there's an entire like squadron after him. Yeah, it's so many. It's, it's like cars. the OJ freeway chase, and then all of a sudden, like two like Barney Fife's walk in there with flashlights, and they're like, "What happens to the rest of the guys? <laughs> yeah. These guys have fucking whistles like British Bobby." I mean, you what see in the moment when he's in the mausoleum and he's singing and he's hiding, all the searchlights looking for him. Yeah. It's presumed there's a ton of cops out there. Yeah. I don't, I don't but think it, he realizes that by singing that he's giving away his position too. That's yeah, that, that's actually the problem yeah, with sound. Yeah, that's actually sing, the singing problem. is just sound. It's yeah. just. 
sound. That, that's and, like, why Dalton doesn't like sound because he always wants I to be stealthy and never give away his yeah. position. I am a sneaky man. I am a sleuth, and I don't like singing. I don't like noise. And welcome to the podcast, Deep Cover Dalton. <laughs> Go ahead. Go so ahead, anyway, Jesse. next thing we know, he's he's sitting in his little parlor chair in front of the fireplace, and he's in his mansion, and she's still running through the woods looking for him, and he's watching her do this through his goblet that he has in goblet his hands. of blood or whatever i know i was gonna say the same thing it's like is it wine is it blood it's unclear but it's okay it we, looks like it could be blood we, we keep, i never yeah. drink wine we, okay I, thank you because i want to say something real quick we keep referencing beauty and the beast and all that shit it's very dracula it's dracula, dracula. fucking Coppola's dracula came out like three months before this video did yeah and it didn't take that long to do it but not only like is he sort of Dracula-esque, but the opening lines of I've traveled through time, he literally says in Dracula, like, I've I've traveled across oceans of time to find you. And then when she's in the bed, which we're getting to, all the vampire women right. come, which yeah, in the movie Dracula, like, well, yeah, they're like basically blowing Keanu Reeves so they can suck his blood. And I mean, they, they turn his fucking hair white. They like exsanguinate him so much. But in this, it's just like some hot chick writhing around in sheets while three like vampire brides trying to get on top of her, and then they just disappear. I right. Guess. It's very suggestive, even though nothing yeah. really happens. This but is yeah, it's very much that very like, Dracula. Very Dracula. Life. Except in Dracula, yeah. he has three forms, and one of them is a very suave, debonair, like modern man of society. Yeah. And at this le- one, at least under that makeup, he's Gary Oldman. Yeah, he's Gary Oldman. Yeah. This is one of them. And under this, he's a guy named Meatloaf. <laughs> 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 between that who looks scene, like he would be named Meatloaf. And we'll get there between that scene and then this part of him watching her through this goblet of blood it looks like it looks like who knows what weird dark ritual he did to be able to watch her this way but all of a sudden i feel a lot less sympathy for him like okay maybe you really did do something maybe you really did do something pretty jesse all he did was happen upon a random woman in the middle of nowhere look at her longingly and and then chase after her and well, considering stalk the cops her. Butterfingers is, yeah, Butterfingers is fucking necklace or whatever. I mean, like, we, know, we know the cops he are already after him. anything for love. Oh, yeah. We are going to get to that. We are not going <laughs> to cover this topic without expressing anyway, what that means. I mean, the cops mean. are already after him, so I think it's pretty safe now to assume that maybe they have a good reason for that. Well, he know? has three yeah. vampire brides. He's clearly like converted <laughs> yeah. women into like the mortal demons. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so anyway... Uh, the woman stumbles upon the mansion eventually, and he hears her coming, and he he magically rolls away in his chair from the fireplace. Uh, that part kind of made me laugh out No, loud. he got that from yeah. Goo Dolls Iris. Event Horizon with those, those spinning <laughs> yeah. captain chairs. <laughs> like he just, ooh, he just, ooh, just flies away in his chair, and then he magically appears like on the second floor balcony and watches her as she enters the mansion. He borrowed a telescope from then Final he, Fantasy he, Man. Yeah. Yeah. While she's kind of looking around, he he turns around and he looks into the mirror and sees Meatloaf, the slightly prettier version of himself that is not a Dracula. Pick a different he adjective. Just, That's <laughs> not... <laughs> don't watch the video based on that. <laughs> so the woman, she she comes in and then she finds that same chair in the in the parlor area and falls asleep in it. And that's when she's magically transported into a bathtub, uh, which is surrounded by candles. And it's around this time we see the cops in the mausoleum. They're is like she magically trans- transported or is it just edits? Is it just well, I mean, cut? it's an edit, but you yeah, have to wonder, like, how did she get there? Because it literally cuts from her falling asleep in the chair to her being in the bathtub. For a second, I thought that he meant he turned her into a bathtub. 
Well, I mean, I wouldn't yeah, put it past it really her. is Beauty and the Beast. It really is, yeah. yeah. I, I think. Well, if, if he really turned her into a bathtub, I mean, I, he really would do anything for love. Yeah. Then it's true. Yeah, you know, I never, never thought about it like that. There's the intentionality in the lyrics. Yeah, go ahead. Sure. Uh, so that's when we see the cops I in the mausoleum. I turned you into some old dusty sink. I would. I would never do that. Because I can't fuck you anymore. Having a nice conversation until just then. So that's when the cops are in the mausoleum. They're putting evidence markers down. You see the body of the cop with the chandelier on top of him. They're starting to put the pieces together as if they already weren't out there. Now we have to have... What are those pieces? We have to have have homicide detectives now walking around the mausoleum. Be like, something's (laughs) going on here. I think we can follow this trail. Uh, so anyway, oh, then after that, <laughs> the next yeah, thing we see crushed is crushed up oyster crackers covered in ketchup. Yeah, that's the trail. So we cut back to Meatloaf looking at the prettier version of himself, and he starts smashing all the mirrors in the house. Uh, no, hold on. That I skipped the part with the mirror you were talking about. <laughs> it's yeah, totally this, okay. That's the next part is the part where she's in the bed and she's laying there, just kind of like writhing around in the sheets and that's when the seductive yeah yeah, succubuses show up and there's the subjective suggestive moment where they're like laying with her and he's kind of sitting there in another chair watching but trying not to watch and Mm -hmm. he's peeping through his hands peeping through his hands and he's he's got his back turned to them and so he's like looking but he's not really like a little kid like in a horror movie yeah or like dalton with the vent horizon right (laughs) (laughs) so scared (laughs) so scary (laughs) Uh, so that's when the cops finally put it together. They come into the mansion, and that's when Mila starts smashing all the mirrors in the house. And the woman leaves the bedroom. She follows him down the hallway into another bedroom. She where tells he's... him that was only a hundred and fifty thread count. It was not comfortable. <laughs> not comfortable at all. I was very yeah. upset. And she finds him in there where he's looking into some sort of weird. He's it's a weird device that looks kind of like a microscope. Because it's got like this weird eyepiece extension from it, and it's I don't know, it's got this weird rotating thing on it. It's he just watched Iris. Yeah, he got, he got <laughs> Trent Resnick's eye. Telescope. It's like a weird crank <laughs> device. It, yeah. yeah, no, that's who knows what it is. Um, but then she comes in and sits on the sofa across from him, and as soon as she sits down, that's when he starts like messing with the device, rotates, and it somehow magically levitates her in the air on the sofa. And that's when the female part joins in and she starts singing with him, uh, which is a great part. Like her voice is fantastic. That's probably my favorite part of the song. It's kind of like a Tina Turnery sound to yeah, her. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, that's a great part. Yeah. Um, and that's when the cops start coming down the hallway. Monster Loaf detects them in the house and he drops the sofa. <laughs> they just brush right past Monster Loaf, which <laughs> yeah. is uttered on microphone. <laughs> And shatters the glass in the room, and so then he leads her down the hallway where they're trying to evade the police. They hide in a corner where she gets a good look at his face. She starts singing to him again, and then Says, he turns. Oh my God, meat monster! Take me. <laughs> meat monster loaf turns into regular meat loaf, and they disappear. And the, the cops, cops are like, "What's that noise? What's that <laughs> yeah, what's yeah. That splash of ketchup yeah. from did, the fucking did, hallway? Did someone just say, "Give me your loaf, you big meaty fuck monster"? <laughs> What was that, Captain? I'll go check the room alone. I hope there are any, hope there are any chandeliers in here. Or any Don't come in if you hear any squishing. If your boys point your guns at the floor. There's chandeliers everywhere in here. <laughs> there might be a goddamn Sam squanch in here. <laughs> or or a meat monster. Yeah. A, a meat squanch in here. Yeah. So anyway, he turns into a regular man. They disappear. Oh. The cops don't find him. <laughs> and they ride off into the sunset together on his motorcycle. And that's how it ends. Fade to black. And that's 
I'd do anything for love. What's he going to do when he has to get gas in that motorcycle? Because he's going to have to go into a gas station looking like that. She's gonna well, he's s- regular now. She's gonna no, sing. No, that's she what I mean. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> oh, my God. Ma'am, you can't bring that in here. It's, it's my service loaf. That's, that's really why he's upset the entire music video and breaking the mirrors when he sees the version of himself like that because he actually thinks he looks uglier. It's nice, though, that you know when he turns back into a regular loaf, well, before that, she loves him anyways. She loves him for his loafness. And even though when he goes back to being a dude, he looks like a guy who eats too much processed food and retains Mountain Dew in his fucking body. It would have been great if she sings to him and then he turns to regular loaf. She's just, ah! <laughs> oh, God. She's yes. disgusting. Go back yeah. to Goblin. <laughs> so what is, okay, so you want to talk about the meaning of the lyric, I would do anything for love because well, this so gets the, talked yeah, about Yeah, this gets lot. talked about a lot. Uh, from what I understand... The answer is actually in the song. Everybody wonders, like, what is it that he won't do? What is he actually talking about? But he actually says in the lyrics several times what it is yeah, it's that right he at the won't beginning. do. It's, uh, yeah. But I'll, but I'll never forget the way that you feel I'll right now. I'll never forget the way you feel right now. I'll stop never dreaming of you every you. night I'll never stop life. dreaming of you. I'll never... Um, He'll never stop doing the romantic shit. Yeah. Yeah. Well, basically, that's, yeah. I'll that's never what stop he won't doing the romantic... Do. Yeah. He, I'll he'll, never stop being loving yeah. to you. Look, here's another anecdote from when I was eight. I'll never be handsome. <laughs> <laughs> I'll never smell like a candle. The sexiest I'll ever be is in Fight Club. So when I was a kid, I remember being in my stepmom's car. I have a fucking story from this for every episode, it seems. But I remember my stepbrother, the song was on, and we always enjoyed it. So I was probably eight or nine. And I remember him going like, like he raised his hand like he was in class, like, ooh, ooh. And says, I think I know what he means by I would do anything for love, but I won't do that. And it's just like, the floor's yours. And he says, I think he's talking about being a girl, but he won't do that. And I remember there just being like this really like... <laughs> What? I don't how, think how that's... How old was he? he was, so I was eight and he was ten. <laughs> and I just remember thinking, like, I don't think that's it. But the rest of my life, when the song would come on, it would take just a pinch of enjoyment out because I would just think about that moment of going, what if he, the ten-year-old stepbrother was on to something there? What if there is... Because when you watch the video, there I'll, is yeah, some right. weird, I'll give unrequited it, I'll give him love that credit. vibes. If he was talking about the video, saw the video when he heard the song, that does kind of make sense. Because it does put off this vibe of like, he would have to sacrifice like him. He would have to put away these inhibitions that he clearly displays during the music video. Right, exactly. Yeah, of like, yeah. I, I, could, I could use my like power to turn you into like a slave uh, of love, of love right. or whatever, like I have with these other women, but I want you to love me for me, but I'm a right. fucking monster. Right. So it, it lends itself to assume that it's actually speaking about consensual. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, right. So in, in a way, my 10 year old stepbrother is not completely wrong, but in the context of the video with it being monsters and all that shit, it's kind of like, okay, I guess that doesn't really help out the argument that people were having of what does that lyric mean? But it's not clear. He says, I think it's perfectly clear and that it's spelled out in the very beginning. You have to really listen. Oh, to you have lyrics. to really, you have to really listen. Yeah. And because, yeah, it, yeah. It, it covers a lot of different things. And it's it's all vague because it's just he, he says the answer before he asks the question. Right. That's it's the way that the song is structured that makes it hard to make sure. sense. Yeah, of. it's hard to digest because yeah. it's just sound. And so it doesn't really <laughs> matter. Yeah. It's just noise. It's just fucking noise. Yeah. 
But uh, I don't know anything else. Uh, it's a great music video. It is. I mean, if we wanted, we could talk a little more about just the videos at the time. I mean, I'm really impressed by the fact that this was. I don't think I ever realized that this had turned into this thing at the time, where you had all these really big name production people oh, yeah. put onto mm-hmm. these things. And I mean, it holds up. I mean, watching it now, it's like this is really good. It looks fantastic. I'm sure it's shot on film. It's a huge yeah. production. You had. You had big names that were either cutting their teeth and going to be big soon, or people even that were popular before, like Martin Scorsese did the the Michael Jackson music video for right. Bad, right? Yeah. Rolling Stones videos. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. We, we, we talked about that during the Ramstein talk, though. Of like, I, I I I'm cutting my teeth on videos because I want to do something for eighty million. But I haven't proven myself yet, so give him seven hundred fifty thousand right. dollars or a million. It's basically so think an was, avenue to make a very yeah. expensive short short film. film. Yeah, so I think it was way off base. I think in one of the earlier episodes, I said something about it doesn't make sense that they would spend a lot of money on a music video, and what you really want is people to buy the records. But the reality no, yeah. is, like, yeah, yeah, these are huge productions. Yeah, and, and it's nothing but advertising. Right, yeah. They still are. They spend yeah. millions of dollars on yeah. this thing. Right. Well, yeah, like, and, I mean, now it makes sense more than ever. Yeah, I mean, but, I mean, at the and time... commercials and all that. When you're looking, watching the MTV era of music videos and they all just look like, you know, crap most of the time. I mean, think, time. you know, you think about, like, if you structure... Or you piece together nine minutes of a compelling, well-shot, well-produced video... It it does all of the talking for you. You don't need right. like you know. It was I done think, so well that people were trying to cut a record deal for the lady lip singing. In right, the exactly. Yeah. And, but because so, I think that's just it is that we this is the time now where like that MTV eighties era of music videos like has become so popular. Mm-hmm. Like everybody watches it. Your teen, yeah. like you were absolutely into well. I mean, MTV. there was there was an entire fucking channel based exactly. It, right? yeah. 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 So exactly. like now it's it's yeah. a big industry, and. Yeah, I mean, there's probably hundreds of these that I'd be really impressed by and have never seen before. I think sure. I just never really grew up like in the '90s watching a lot of music videos. Well, no, not the, I didn't not have the early TV. 90s, no. Yeah, I didn't have cable really, so like I did, I missed a lot of these. I'd always heard this song, of course, and yeah. a really really popular song. Yeah, I, uh, I didn't really like end up watching a ton of MTV until later in the early 2000s and stuff. You right, know, yeah, when, yeah, when you started I mean, having like rough, Carson then. Daly and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, and I can, and again, that's part of why I didn't get into it because now we're getting into the era where it's becoming reality TV and right, just like right. it's yeah. more about personality. Personality, yeah, yeah. and it, and I just never really got into that to begin with. Right, and yeah. and you know, I actually. The 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 reason why I think we actually had a MTV representative uh, come and speak at our college one time, and someone asked them, uh, "Why do they not show music videos? What is the point? Like, why are you transitioning away entirely from that? Because by this point, it's nothing but reality. It's nothing but reality shows over and over and over." Um, and just creating characters that they can come back to and create spinoffs for. And they just said, other avenues do it better. There's no reason for us to show music videos randomly of artists you may or may not like because you can just go on your phone or on your laptop and you can watch whatever the fuck you want. You can watch all the content about things you actually are already interested in or get suggested content from that thereof 
and it's right at your fingertips, immediately available. You don't have to sit through, well, at the time, you don't have to sit through like commercials and advertisements every you know, right. 15 seconds. Right, just a totally different age now right. where all it's, of your content just, is personalized just, for you on the platform. Right, so it's kind of, you know, just it the, the whole like music video push away from like daytime television and everything. Yeah. Just kind of got... Encapsulated it at the time that. when all you have is yeah. radio and MTV. Sure. Like, yeah. Right. Why wouldn't you do if one way to right. just yeah. another you don't way even to have digest a music? Computer that you can use exactly. The it's phone like being you only have so up. many ways yeah. that you can digest music. Yeah. You listen to the radio and hope they play what you want, TV or you go the radio to a concert, and then it happens with uh, YouTube. Yeah, with the, the internet. TV yeah. Star. I mean, right. So, um, but getting back to Meatloaf, I do anything for love. Cool music video. I would say it's Very more well of a done. filet mignon than a meatloaf. I agree. I was yeah. waiting. Oh, that's a meat <laughs> joke. Okay. okay. I get it. Yeah. I'm sitting I get there it. like, I got nothing yeah. but My, this Mike's one finally hit the bottom of the barrel. Yeah. 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 Uh, <laughs> sounds like Mike's jokes are just sound. Yeah. So. Okay. <laughs> Great. Yeah. I'm sorry I didn't really have any content for the first 15 minutes of this. Yeah, just words. Like you said about Bohemian Rhapsody, is it like it, the rock opera, uh, not as much of a thing anymore, but when it was no. at the height, uh, this... Shit was on fire. Yeah, it's a great. Yeah, song. Just, just ballads. Yeah, know? ballads. Yeah, rock ballads, and it's great. So it's, yeah, it's good, solid, very digestible. Our musical guest today is <laughs> Me Love. That's Steven Seagal. So we'll cut before that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, change it. Okay, please tell the Sorry, joke. Sorry, guys, I ruined Mike's joke. Here's just here's a joke. You ready? Yeah. What's the difference between a garbanzo bean and a chickpea? What? I've never had a garbanzo bean in my ass and on my face. <laughs> <sighs> I knew it was going to be something uh, like that. All right. <laughs> like the, I was expecting the, a meatloaf joke. No. Or I would not joke about the loaf. Oh, he's, he's out of those. <laughs> and we're back. Um... <laughs> So for the eleventh episode, I don't want to be. We're, <laughs> let's go ahead and roll. <laughs> there you go. How was it good? You're exactly what sound you were going for. Yeah, there too. yeah, yeah. yeah. You're gonna put a sound <laughs> effect there, it's right? Like, God, I, that was it. <laughs> no, nope, not anymore. I just did. That means it's working. So for the 11th episode, the movie is going to be Ed, starring uh, Matt LeBlanc about the monkey that plays baseball professionally. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. I just had a fucking stroke. <laughs> I Lord, remember that's that. Real. Yeah, we I ne- just, I've we never just seen watched it. a monster Dracula man ride a motorcycle around a fucking crypt with fallen chandeliers yeah. that murder people, and it's not... As is it, is no. it the one where like the, the cover is the monkey and the base fiving? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah we, we just we just covered a video about a sentient meatloaf that falls in love, and now we're covering a movie with Joey from Friends playing baseball with a monkey. The dumpster airbuds. God, God damn it! Fucking wait, okay. that sounds so, great. That's gonna be fun. So for our TV show, drum roll, 
We are covering Spider-Man, the animated series from 1994. Oh, Hell, hell yeah. Whoa. Spider-Man. For our music video, we're covering extreme more than words. Yay. Yay. This is where you put like a sound effect of a bunch of kids cheering. Yeah. Or just you and I just copy it over a bunch of times. Just loop it. Yeah. Good. Garrett, what should what should the listeners do? They but, should listen to the next fucking episode. It's gonna be great. Anything it's else? Be awesome. Huh? Anything else? Oh, uh, oh, uh, God damn it! <laughs> this is our tenth one. Every every boy has dropped their own ball. <laughs> this thing, I know. This I have up, I have upheld my fucking duty. Well, you did talk for the segment, so that was nice. <laughs> I, I, I think. Hey, hey, hey. Listeners, if, listen. you, if you like what we do and you want to support the podcast... What about us? What if we don't like what we do? <laughs> we're too bad. We're in it now. Ten, ten episodes in. Go support us on Patreon. And you can click, uh, you know, and sup- subscribe, follow uh, our podcast. Keep listening. And for I everyone who is listening, thanks for, being, for being part of this journey with us. But I'm especially for Patreon... Bam, bam. I am having heart palpitations right now. <laughs> I, I actually kind of felt like I was from it because I drank that coffee is really fucking strong. Yeah, it is. Strong. It's very strong. Garrett is stressed. Uh, uh, should yeah, if you... <laughs> I just none of this is just, fucking just, good. Look, just pretend like it's your relationship at home. Just force it. If you... <laughs> <laughs> and then we can talk bad about it once we go off mic. <laughs> If you enjoyed the podcast, if you like what you heard and you liked how little I spoke in the music segment, then maybe head on over to Patreon if you want to help support the podcast. There's some additional content there and that's it. There you go. I am so glad you brought that up because uh, the Patreon thing, because I've never actually listened to the normal show, but I did listen to a little bit of the Patreon episodes the other day. They are so fucking good. And guess what, guys? They're not even $5. It's like $4.25 after tax or send tax or whatever's placed on those. And that is less money than most of our listeners spend on Diet Dr. Pepper for their second fucking breakfast. This is fun. We're having fun. Come have fun with us. I've never had fun in my life. I mean, I think the first and second episode were kind of fun. (laughs) 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 What are we on, 11 now? (laughs) I don't want to do a podcast anymore. Dalton just left. Yep. And we never saw her again. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys. See you next time. Thanks for joining us. I'm Garrett. Bye. I, I'm now Garrett. you know, Garrett, you already talked. Yeah, I'm Garrett. <laughs> <laughs> My no, dick doesn't all right. work at all. No. No. <laughs>
work at all. It's never worked before. Is that fucking Pinocchio? That God damn. My dick works about as well as my guitar picking fingers. Where are we cutting? Ah, somewhere in there. Yeah. My dad says if I lie, it'll no. grow. Yeah. <laughs> if I if I tell a lie, then my dick grows five inches. <laughs> you know what you're yeah. Saying? I if I tell a lie, my dick grows five inches. <laughs> Your nose just knocked your mic to the side when it grew like that. You may want to push it back to your mouth. <laughs> hey, everybody, this is Dalton just chiming in here real quick because Garrett just walked out, so he's not listening to the recording. Just wanted to say, just thinking back on the music segment real quick about Garrett playing in Meatloaf, he's bad. He's bad, dumb, and fat. He's so bad, fat, and dumb. Keep, keep going. He's, what do you hey, think about Hey, is Garrett him? in the room? Yeah. Sorry, I wasn't in here for that, whatever you were just saying. I just want to say, man, that Garrett playing the Milo shit was absolute garbage.